0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Video Game Logic. Today's show was recorded on March the 6th, 2018. I'm your host, Gaming Psychologist, and with me, as always, my fifth. fifth, fifth, fifth uh... Uh, caffeine Rage? Yeah, sure, we'll just roll with that. I- I'm not a-
1: sure what you're going with that.
0: I had a thing, but it broke down in my head, but it's okay. We'll just keep moving on. Well, on uh, today's well what show... else is new? Yeah. On today's show, we will, of course, be discussing the games that we played for the last two or three weeks. Three weeks. We're going to be discussing the reliance of modern game devs on modding communities. We will be having our weekly community corner. Timestamps will be in the show notes following their respective topics. Hello, Rage. Hello.
1: How are you? I'm Okay. That's good. Uh, I, I, I can't say I can't complain because, uh, you know, my games list. <laughs> also, you can pretty much always complain. Well, isn't that what's endearing about me? Or, yeah. Or, you know, why well, people don't talk to me all that much.
0: I, I, I love you to death. Hate me. <laughs> my singing is worse than usual. And that's saying, saying something. something? Cause, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, it's, it's allergy season. Thanks to... uh that old Chinese hoax of climate change. Yeah, we've had an early spring this year, and the well, pollen is out in force.
1: Well, the good thing is that you know, it'll probably get uh, get nice and cold, so you'll have two springs this year.
0: Man, last Friday, last Thursday and Friday were terrible. Thursday was Thursday was okay. I, I muddled through Thursday, and then Friday I woke up, and I was like, oh, why? And I, I had to... We were going to... Play Torchlight two on that's Park.
1: why. Tree jizz.
0: Yeah, yeah, we were gonna play Torchlight two on Friday, but I was like, I can't, I can't concentrate, I can't focus. Between that's pretty the much sinus how,
1: pressure and the drugs. That's pretty much how I was uh, with uh, Xenonauts for a week and a half. Just couldn't yeah. concentrate whatsoever. Yeah,
0: Saturday was a little bit better, but I I was gone Saturday evening. I went to a a banquet. Oh, I got to dress up, but I hate dressing up. I had to put on pants. What? And what? Did it make you feel pretty? No, I didn't feel pretty. I just felt sinus pressure in my face. But I was doing the whole business schmooze thing, finding new people, new places, organizations to send. Uh, it was nice. I was very successful Saturday, night. and then Sunday, I was I was pretty good. Sunday, we we did uh, record divinity. I was about like I am tonight. So. Yeah,
1: but thankfully there was enough noise in the background that you know it, your all your sniffles and uh, wheezing and everything gets covered up. Yeah, I hope so. But this time you're going to have to edit all that out. Yes, I will.
0: Muting the Skype call so you don't deafen still leaves it in the Audacity recording. But it's okay, I'm prepared to take notes.
1: Yeah, well, maybe we should invest in a, a cough switch for you. I mean, a prepper cough switch that just kills the microphone.
0: Sure, if you want to, if anyone wants to buy me a cough
1: switch. Well, uh, Patreon. Yeah, Patreon. There you go. Dot com slash VGL podcast. Ding. Ding. (laughs) Ding. Or if you just want to email us uh, about our idea for a cough switch, VGL podcast at gmail.com or Twitter VGL podcast.
0: I see what you did there. (laughs) I see we were talking about this. And you said, maybe next week I'll work that into the beginning so that it doesn't mess up our, our thing. I see what you did there. And I approve. I approve of this message. Oh. So we've each got a massive list of games to talk about this week. Technically, I have eight, but two of mine go together, so I'm only counting it as seven. Yeah, and and which you have nine.
1: Yeah, which I would say you probably should just uh, throw those together if you're not. Yeah. Yeah, I'm going.
0: We're gonna do one of those things where we alternate back and forth until I run out of games, and then Rage will have the last
1: two. I'll on have the, the last list. word. He will have the last word. Yeah, and and, uh, and some of them uh, actually will be approving, and some of them won't. So uh, let's kick off uh, with my second revisit to uh, Spin Tires Bud Runner, because I said three, four weeks ago that I was going to finish the map, uh, the new DLC map, and I did. And I have thoughts. Okay. It is. It really depends on how you approach this map, because if you approach uh, the uh, valley map like we normally do, it is fucking horrendous. It's. Well, uh, for those who don't know, Spin Tires Bone Runner is an off road logging simulator where you're dragging logs from. Uh, a log kiosk or a a lumberyard to uh, a loading point. You do it uh, uh, for all the loading points on the map. You win. Yay. There's a a guitar solo and then uh, fireworks going off. And everyone's very impressed with you. Well, uh, they released their first free DLC, uh, the Valley, which has three new uh, vehicles, which are all on also the new map. Otherwise, you have to unlock them through the progression system where you're just going through the different maps in sequence and uh, building up uh, progression points by doing well on them. Well, this is more of an introduction to the three new vehicles, plus a new place to toy around with them in. You get a little scout vehicle. They're, They're in different tiers of based on the letters in alphabet, so you get an A-class vehicle, which is just a little Jeep-like thing. I have still no idea what to call this thing, but it's probably my favorite one out of the three. It, it's able to uh, carry a little bit of fuel, it's able to carry some uh, repair supplies to be able to fix up trucks, and it is a lot more versatile than the original Jeep. I absolutely love the little guy. And it's probably going to be my new uh, go-to vehicle for scouting maps. Then you get one in the C-class range. I'm not going to worry about the numbers uh, on them because it doesn't really matter the the, uh, exact one it is. And it's a decent enough truck. It's pretty much just, I would say, middle of the road for its uh, weight class. Uh, But... The problem is that this map is not geared towards mid-ranged vehicles. It's weird. Okay, it's, it's, it's built around really small and really large vehicles because it's a very flat map uh, with a few hills the, the, here and there, but for the most part it's flat and it's like there, there was just massive storm and flood that just went through and knocked down i would say a good half the trees all around the roads and flooded the river that you have to ford so there's rocks everywhere there's trees down everywhere and the smaller vehicle the little a-class vehicle that you get in this map is able to just go right over them, you know, no problem uh, or just be able to be small enough to work its way around and uh, over uh, all the rocks the c-class that you get it's too big to do that, but too small just to easily go up and over the large stuff. So for this map, it's not that great. Overall, it'd probably be a lot better. But then you get to the big guy here and uh, it's an D-class vehicle or an e-class vehicle. I actually trying to find it on the news here on uh, let's see it is an E-class. Which is the largest that they offer here. The E7429. And it's very fuel efficient. But it's not very fast. But it's able to just plow through this map. And it feels like it's built around. Two of the three uh, cars. For this map. Uh, This map is built around two uh, two of the three I should say. It's not a bad map. It's just it requires a. New approach to the game. That i really wasn't used to i don't usually use these massive trucks outside of just uh, very basic dragging uh, uh stuck vehicles and that's it overall though because of the new approach i do like the map it's if you absolutely hate pumpkins this is the perfect map for you because there's this giant field of pumpkin. it's excellent ho-
0: <laughs> do they make a lovely squishing sound
1: oh yes and there's an achievement for it uh, there's actually no achievements attached to this map directly, though, which is weird. Usually, uh, you know, that's a thing. But not this time. That, you know, it's just an oddity. Overall, though, I did enjoy the map once I kind of figured out how to approach it. But because it's such a flat map, once I figured out the way to uh, uh, yeah, get around uh, the obstacles built into the map itself, it was a very short map. Until then, I was just struggling because I kept throwing my uh, yeah the C class vehicle because I was expecting that to be yeah, my go-to truck, but it wasn't. Uh, but I still really enjoy Spin Towers Mudrunner overall. It's uh it's a fun time, and uh, on multiplayer, it's an absolute blast. I've uh, actually uh, gone button with Katie a few times, uh, in the original uh, Spin Towers, not Mudrunner. And uh, Spin Towers is just one of those games where. You look at it, and you think it's absolutely worthless. It's one of those that, you know, how would anybody think this is fun? And then you start driving. And the next thing you know, three hours have gone by. Right? Yeah.
0: And you flip three trucks, and you've got two more that are about to flip over trying
1: to get the other three out. Yeah, it's a very simple game in concept, but in uh, execution... It requires a lot more finesse than I think a lot of people realize. Once you've uh, you know, figured out the game, though, it's not that hard, at least on the casual mode. Hardcore mode uh, it starts to really get crazy because it uh, you burn fuel a hell of a lot faster. You're able to damage the truck a lot easier. And there's no uh, recalling, so it, you're very liable to just you know, finish... Uh, the map halfway or two-thirds of the way and then uh, be completely uh, stuck because all your trucks are stuck or you've run out of fuel. So uh, it's one of those things that hardcore mode is definitely hardcore.
0: Indeed it is. Now I can only play tires some more as a relaxing chill-out game this week.
1: Yeah, well, as long as you're playing casual mode and go, it's a good one to do. Just drive around. Hold my beer and watch this. I would have to say that the valley map is my least favorite so far, just because it's so flat. You know, there's uh, something about, you know, uh, carefully go, uh, na- navigating a mountainside. Or Spider-Man way up a mountain that you're not supposed to be able to do just by winching to different trees. <laughs> Truck Spider-Truck does whatever a
0: Spider-Truck does. Right. Anyways. Yeah,
1: that's... Yeah. Uh, Pretty much, uh, yeah, I just wanted to revisit this once I finished the uh, valley map or had, had more time on it. Uh, I think I didn't see the problem with it before because you start off with both the A and the uh, E class trucks. Yeah, you know, the little one and the big one. And they both are able to navigate the map pretty easily just once you uh, drive them properly. Yeah, but that C class, uh, just because the uh, pretty much the entire map has trees down. Uh, and over the road. It's uh, pretty much worthless. But thankfully, you're, you know, it's just something that you find on the map. It, uh, all the maps have hidden trucks that you drive up to them and uh, you, they honk and you're able to, you know, you're carjacking. Truckjacking, yeah. And then you go grab some wood. Absolutely. I'm gonna wrangle my wood. Well, just don't get go get your wood dirty.
0: I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jerk it around like a crazy person until I get it, get it just right.
1: Then you're going to wrap it around a tree like Kyle. And then he bursts out of the woods and give you seven liters of <laughs> fuel.
0: Yeah. Here's your fuel.
1: Bye. <laughs> oh. All right. Is it my turn? I think so. Unless you have anything to add about spin tires. Nah,
0: I don't think so. We've talked about it several times before. Okie dokie. Well, the first game on my list for this week... Is a game by the name of Sphere Three Enchanted World. Allow me to describe this word, this game, to you with with two questions. Question number one: Have you ever played World of Warcraft? Which I know the answer to, but perhaps okay. Okay. Now, have you ever played any third person RPG ever?
1: Um. Well, considering World of Warcraft.
0: Well, I suppose I should say any action RPG. If uh, you're answer-
1: considering the game club, I'm going to go with no.
0: <laughs> if your answer to these two questions is yes, you've literally played Sphere 3 Enchanted World. It looks identical to World of Warcraft from about
1: 5 years ago. I took a few screenshots. I should Well, I'm looking I at the should... screenshots on the uh, Steam store page and I, I would say it it looks like an in-between step of the original EverQuest and World of Warcraft.
0: Yeah, the when you're actually playing the game, it looks much, much more just like World of Warcraft. Um, like I zoomed out for a second, and I like the 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 biggest part where it makes it seem like World of Warcraft is they have literally copied WoW's uh, UI design,
1: everything. I mean, that's not a, a bad tank. thing because uh their UI isn't terrible for the most part.
0: No, but I op- like I opened this game and I was like this is World of Warcraft except without the sort of turn-based. I mean, I know World of Warcraft isn't like turn-based, but you do an action and then you do your next action and then you do and your enemies are doing theirs in time as well. This is an an active combat system. Um but otherwise, yeah, it's it it's just it's just wow, they've just ripped off, wow, which, like you said, is not like the worst thing in the world, but it's so boring, and the quest design and writing for it is bad, and it doesn't run well, um, even with everything on like medium settings uh, the only thing that I had turned up was the what's it called like just the distance that you can see. Out oh, so already. that's
1: why this game looks familiar.
0: I'm drawing a blank on that, but um, I, I got a
1: review code.
0: Yeah, I did too for like a starter yeah. pack or something. I literally don't know how to redeem the starter pack or how to use it. Like, you you launch the game, it drop you drops you straight into the character creator, and you create your character, and it tells you <laughs> I it told me that I couldn't use my character name. I I just I just typed in a name. Uh, I think I named my character, like, uh, Beth, or something like that, just like, you know, surely this name is taken, and it was like, you can't use this name, it's taken, but then the game started anyways, and my character's name is Beth, and you can't, it says it has multiple servers, you can't choose one, I I don't know how to choose one, maybe they unlock if you get to a certain level, I only got to, like, level 8 before I got tired of playing it, the gameplay is super choppy, it's poorly optimized, it doesn't work well it doesn't look good the ui is a carbon copy of wow but with it being a much more active game that doesn't necessarily work um when you've only got like three abilities that's fine but as you unlock more abilities even in the first few levels it's like oh i'm running around i gotta hit this and hit that and i've played other games that have done this exact thing much better the only thing that it's really got going yeah, for is that it's free to play.
1: Yeah, if I wanted to play an MMO that reminded me of WoW, but free to play and more action-based, I would just go back to Wildstar. Yeah, Wildstar is better. Wildstar is much better.
0: That's really all I have to say about it. I mean, it's an MMO. The free... Uh, well, I mean, the store is terrible. I don't think there's loot boxes, but it's a really shitty... Uh, Asian microtransaction store so well, there's like a million things that cost a quadrillion coins yeah, you uh, have to buy everything
1: yeah and it's uh, one of those things that because it's an uh, Asian MMO uh, they're built around grinding and grinding and grinding uh, if there was yep. any more grinding you would be a barista Hey-oh. or a stripper well I, well, I was going to leave that one for you you know
0: but yeah, it's not very good. Would not recommend, even as a free-to-play. If you want a free-to-play MMO, there's better ones out there. There's like better... Wildstar. Like Wildstar, yeah. Or if you want the fantasy MMO setting as opposed to a sci-fi MMO like Wildstar, there's better fantasy MMOs too. Like Terra.
1: Well, I would uh, more called Wildstar Science Fantasy.
0: Well, yeah. That's fair. If you want to get really technical about it.
1: Well, I have to be technically correct. Fair play,
0: so yeah, what's next on your list?
1: Oh, so next up on my list is fossil hunters. This is a mining puzzle game, and it is annoying as shit it It does one of those things that well, it's a mining game, so you probably see where I'm going with this already where you have to hunt down your fossils and then drag them to a specific area to uh assemble them and uh com- er, progress to the next level it's built like i, I don't want to say that it's a roguelite but it's the same idea of progressing down a dungeon uh and uh, the further you go the more stuff you unlock and uh the more uh, stuff you have to deal with as well what irritated the shit out of me was the fact that it's Pretty much random what fossils you find to the point where I spent five to ten minutes trying to find the last piece of a fossil to complete uh, the puzzle. Because what this is is a it's not a jigsaw, it's more of a sliding puzzle, even though it's not really the t- uh, the properly, uh, yeah, properly a sliding puzzle, either. but it's sort of in between the two. I spent a okay. good five to ten minutes trying to find this last piece because. I was still pretty early in the game on my initial, you know, just play test to see what I think of it before uh, making a video on it. Well, I had to find this fossilized foot. And I needed two of them. And they were fucking rare. I finally found the second one. And then, because uh, I dug too much in one area trying to find this fucking foot, the ceiling collapsed and destroyed the foot. Oh. Yeah, it's one of those. That sucks. And on top of that, there's also a few other things I really uh, dislike. For one, it's a physics based on the dragging. So you have to be very precise unless you do a lot more diggings to basically uh, build a hallway to be able to drag stuff around. Because, you know, it's um, uh, your fossils are pretty large compared to you. I mean, you're building dinosaurs, essentially. Well, the, th- th- the problem with that is that, well, if you're digging more, you're either collapsing the roof, which uh, blocks off that hallway. You're finding other fossils, which gets in your way because it's a sliding puzzle. Or you're finding the wrong things whenever you're digging uh, like that. And it's just very frustrating. But on, other, on the flip side of it, it's, there's no challenge outside of just frustration on the RNG. At least as far as I got, which was only a few uh, levels in because it annoyed me. Oh, and there's also this other thing where, uh, they introduced pretty quickly on the spider enemies, which I know you hate already. Yeah, spiders don't wait no Thunder. Well, the spider enemies, for some reason, love fossils and love to eat them. Okay. So, so if you're not either buying lamps to light up the, uh the area where you have to build the fossil or actively uh, killing all the spiders you could come back and see your entire skeleton that you've built gone because a spider got there and ate it it was just an exercise of frustration it feels like it's built around multiplayer which it it does have local co-op and I'm not sure about online co-op I actually didn't double check that I think it's just local co-op
0: it says co-op, local co-op, so... Yeah,
1: only local co-op then. Uh, because it's built around the idea of having co-op, someone would be able to sit there and uh, babysit the uh, sp- uh, babysit the skeleton from the spiders, but because I was playing by myself, well, I couldn't do that. So, it was just that extra frustration on top of not having the se- second person digging around trying to find those fucking rare fossils. So, yeah, didn't like it. It looks cute. I mean, it's cute. I I think it it would be a good game for you to play with King and Katie. Because I think it uh, supports up to four people.
0: Yeah, it says it, yeah, up to four players.
1: But the thing is that for me, it's absolutely terrible. But if you have a group that you play locally with, it's probably uh, pretty decent. I mean, granted, it is dead simple. And there's a lot of uh, sitting down and just grinding out the fossils because eventually uh, you encounter a shop to be able to, uh, to buy additional equipment from and you uh, get money by selling your fossils. And also, if you die, you lose all your money. And, uh, oh, the, goody. And there's a, uh, and it introduces pretty quickly on uh, a lot of jumping. You know, jumping over chasms and that sort of thing. So, yeah... Okay, okay. I, I already said I didn't like it. Not sure if you what heard was that, that. noise. that was That was the thunder. Oh, damn. I have a hell of a thunderstorm heading. I mean, granted, it looks like it hits me and then it's pretty much gone. It's just, so, if you hear this, I likely survived.
0: I mean, even if you die, I'm gonna put it up, so. There's an episode next week you... you... Or you just resurrected me. Yeah. I've been practicing the black arts.
1: That's racist.
0: Oh yeah, racism. Yeah, but not yet. So, my turn.
1: I think so. Speaking All of storms, righty.
0: yeah, let's talk about Blade Storm. Now, if you follow the link, it goes to the Blade Storm Nightmare Steam page. But Blade Storm Nightmare actually has the original Blade Storm and then the Nightmare. Expansion or DLC—I can't remember how it was it that it released on console. But Blade Storm, think of Blade Storm as Dynasty Warriors, but where that you can control squads of troops. It's so in a other massive... words, uh,
1: based on the latest Dynasty Warriors, a better Dynasty Warriors.
0: Yeah, it's a better Dynasty Warriors from 2000 and when did this game first release? 2007, 2006, something I mean, like that. It does look a bit old. Yeah, yeah, it looks old.
1: Granted, um, uh yeah, you know, the boobies have aged well. <laughs> what?
0: Yeah. It's uh it's locked at sixty frames, so well
1: that's not a problem for me. I have a hmm. sixty hertz monitor. or
0: Yeah. I mean I, I can't play it at glorious hundred and twenty or hundred and forty four Hertz, but sixty's fine. That's my bare minimum. Um so this is I mean, it really is like silly over the top like old dynasty warriors. In the original Blade Storm campaign, you're playing uh, as a mercenary leader, uh, mercenary commander during the Hundred Years' War, is it the War of the Roses? The one of the big wars between Britain and France in uh, the Middle Middle Ages. Um, and as you're going through, you get to decide which side to fight for as the story progresses, uh, and it, it really doesn't matter. You kind of have to fight for both sides to actually progress the story. You can choose to stick to one side. But certain missions you'll just not play because sometimes the story mission requires you to fight for uh, the English and sometimes it requires you to fight for the French. But really what you're doing is is grinding in traditional Japanese game fashion. Um, There are a number of different unit types that are broken down basically into cavalry, swordsmen, archers and like uh, specialty units. And then there's subclasses within them, and you have skills with each of the subclasses. And in order to unlock the story missions, you grind up the, the ranks of the subclasses. And once you hit a certain combined rank, so you don't have to get one thing specifically to a level up, it's just a combined level of all of your skills. You'll unlock the next story mission, which you can choose to fight in at any time. Uh, And the goal of these missions basically breaks down to hold a defensive point for X number of um, days, which the battles are broken down into 10-minute days. Um, And you can accomplish certain missions within one day, but as the game progresses on, it usually takes... uh, So defend for a certain number of days, or capture a certain enemy post or number of outposts, or sometimes there's missions that are a combination of both, Once you get a little bit farther into the game, it starts throwing additional bonus objectives that you can do that boil down to essentially um, protect X unit or special unit or something like that. Capture additional cities, ensure that X commander survives the battle, so you stick with them and protect them. Just little things like that to add a little bit of variety. Uh, When you start the game, you only have one character... But as you progress and essentially level up your reputation, other mercenaries come to follow you, and you can have additional mercenary captains uh, in your army. And there are some pre-made ones that join you, but also every time that happens, you unlock a new character slot during your playthrough where you can create an additional mercenary captain if you want. Um, And they start with with all of their skills at level 1, but they can learn additional things. If you pick one of the pre-made captains, they can only use the ...skills that they come with. And they'll level those skills up, but you can't branch out. So... uh, I created the most anime-looking character possible... ...based on all hair colors and hairstyles and things like that. And the armor outfits. I'm basically playing fashion. a, A fashion game where I murder thousands of soldiers. And do it fabulously. Extremely fabulously. And then my first commander... Uh, I made, so I made a very sh- tiny anime girl for my main character. And then my first. Does she have uh, huge tits? She does have really big tits. And, and a, a thick with many Cs. Like it's T H I C C C C C C booty. But she's like five feet tall and has giant, bright neon green hair. It's glorious. And then she's wearing some kind of like wolf. Direwolf fur coat, and this gigantic spiked helmet. It's wonderful. Uh, and then my my first sub commander is like a giant man. He's like as tall as I can make him, uh, like six, it's almost seven feet tall, and he follows her around.
1: It's great. I think I've um, s- seen this episode of Bleach.
0: But uh, so the the original Blade Storm plays through the Hundred Years War or whatever word it is, I don't remember exactly. And there's a story that unfolds, and there are uh, characters that are basically caricatures of famous people from history, like uh, Joan of Arc, and a couple of kings and princes and things like that. And if you listen to them, I mean, they're very Japanese. Uh, And if you listen to them with the Japanese subtitle, or in, in Japanese with English subtitles, it's fine. But you should definitely play this game in English, because of how bad the voice acting is. Like, it's it's so bad it's good. Like, that level of bad. It's hilarious. How that sometimes they're flat, and then sometimes they're really, really excited. And, like, sounding weird. Then on top of that, after you play through Bladestorm... I mean, you can also just start with Bladestorm Nightmare, but I'd recommend starting with Bladestorm just to get a handle on all of the basic combat units. After that, there's Bladestorm Nightmare, which is a fantasy version of the same thing that brings in vampires and demons and dragons and magical powers and things like that um, and is a, a complete second campaign that's using the same map but basically demons have invaded medieval europe uh and you have to stop them with your mercenary army it's pretty good pretty good although not in my opinion not as fun and funny as the first one because the first one is Trying to be somewhat historical, but doing it in a an overly comedic caricature, caricature type way. This is just fantasy uh, thrown over the game mechanics, which is fine as an extension of the main game if you want to play more, but it's nowhere near as fun or funny. But yeah, it's giant medieval battles where that you can command squads of various unit types and go fight other uh, armies and squads and take over towns and... It's just ridiculous how overpowered you can be compared to these other enemies. I mean, it, it really is like a, a version of Dynasty Warriors. And it's wonderful. And then every once in a while, one of the commanders comes out, and they're more powerful than the regular troops, and they give you a hard time, but you can still usually take them. It's fun. I love it.
1: Maybe we should send it to Jim Sterling. <laughs> Make him happy. I,
0: I'll, I, sh- I actually should ask him on Twitter if he's ever heard or played Bladestorm.
1: Because he was so upset with the New Dynasty Warriors.
0: Yeah. Oh, one other thing. It does have some... It, it does expand things a little bit from just your standard European units. Like, there's special units that you unlock when you hit certain ranks uh, in a specific discipline. Like, for example, my favorite to use is uh, Spearman. And once you hit... I think it's level 20 with the Spearman. You unlock Roman spearmen which obviously would not exist in something like 15th century
1: Europe. At least with that but, attitude.
0: But the Roman spearmen, you know, they're they're dressed like Romans, uh, and they have extra bonus abilities that the standard spearmen squadrons don't have. Uh, and I think they're the first spear unit you can get. They can throw uh, javelins, so you get a little bit of ranged attack. With, But yeah, it's a fun game. Really enjoy it. Alrighty. Oh, I'm looking at this picture you just put. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the gist
1: of it. Yeah, that's uh, Kimpachi from Bleach. Uh, he's like seven feet tall, and uh, the little pink-haired girl is really young and doesn't even uh, go past, uh, I would say, his thigh. <laughs> Yeah, that's she, about and, right. And she's this really bubbly uh, character, and he loves to fight. And I actually purposely weakens himself so fights are closer because he is overwhelmingly powerful. Uh, yeah, except he's, a, that, he's an interesting character.
0: Yeah, except for that last thing. That's about right. My character comes up to the midsection of my first. Well, uh, uh, well, she doesn't have the huge
1: tracts of land. <laughs> yeah. Maybe we could get her to smuggle watermelons or something. Maybe all right, what's up next for you? okay, well, I have algo bot, which in Spanish it means something, okay uh, actually it does mean literally something <laughs> Oh okay, so I made that joke in the Sunday sampler <laughs> uh, and actually went so it's full... called something bot yeah, okay this is a uh, programming puzzle game. think uh space cam um human resource machine, that sort of thing. Only this one's a lot more limited, or focused, depending on how you want to look at it. Because uh, this has a few solutions for every puzzle, but you're not as free as you are in other programming games. There's a definite best solution, and there's one or two variants, and that's about it. But anyway, you are on this uh, 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 spaceship going somewhere, doing something... Oh, hey, we got a name. I'll go. Uh, I'm joking about that. Uh, you're uh on a human colonization ship, and all the humans are in deep spe- are in deep sleep, and you're performing maintenance. And things go wrong, and you have to try to solve them via programming. And it, you have uh, the game has a very wally-esque. You have this hyper advanced uh, little uh, robot that's uh, uh uh bossing you around. Uh, and the character that you play, she actually uh, says, oh, great. They sent me a Mark 1 unit, you know, a, a first version <laughs> uh, to uh, to do all the work. You know, uh, the, the Wall-E-esque uh, feel where, you know, the uh, very obsolete bot and the hyper-advanced one. Yeah. But uh, uh, but this game is built around building programs. A uh, very simple, just drag and drop uh, various commands. Uh, it's pre- uh, pretty much uh, actually it's completely uh, mouse driven. Uh, just drag and drop, and really, there's not a lot to talk about here because it's pretty straightforward. There's a few interesting little things that it could do where there's function commands uh, that unlock eventually, where you have various. Uh, memory slots that you could uh, drop a repeating program into to try to compress your programming because you only have so many slots total which is where some of the freedom gets lost because things like space cam you can make them as complex as you want as long as you finish the puzzle and this one also it's limiting because your bot has to be in a certain place at the end of the program if you look at the screenshots you could see the uh, white lawn where that's the only place that he could go. And he has to be at the very end, the red marker, whenever the program completes. So yeah, it's a very limiting thing, but they introduce some interesting, uh, uh, memory and, uh, uh, programming commands fairly early on. I was about halfway through at the five hour mark. So I would say it's not that long of a puzzle game. And there's not a, really a lot reason to uh, replay unless you uh, yeah, are completely obsessive about uh, perfection. But because there's no high score table and there's no really out there alternate solutions... But uh, I would say the replayability of this game is very limited. But if you're looking for a programming puzzle game, this definitely uh, would be right up your alley. And it's also uh, in that uh, really sweet spot for just impulse bar.
0: Yeah, it's a really cute looking game.
1: Yeah. Um... Yeah, it, graphically, it's actually pretty good. Uh, I'll think it's consider. I mean, it's no crisis. Yeah.
0: Uh-huh.
1: But, uh, yeah, it's, uh, done very cleanly. It's, uh, uh, probably my biggest, uh, annoyance with the game is that there's no tooltips. And some of the, uh, icons are backwards from what you would expect, uh, especially the picking up things and dropping them. Because eventually you have to, uh, uh, after a, a set of levels, uh, shit goes down and it damages your supervisor. So you have to get your supervisor pretty much uh, down uh, the conveyor belts and uh, pushing buttons, that sort of thing. But uh, because there's no tooltips, if I go back to it now, it would take me a little bit to really figure out which tooltips are which. It's one of those things that's a minor annoyance. It's a minor nitpick. Uh, But uh, there's not a lot that I didn't like about this. Uh, but yeah, uh, AlgoBot isn't a, a bad thing. It's uh, you know a cute little puzzle game. Uh, well worth a look if you're looking for a uh, puzzle game that doesn't throw or a programming puzzle game that doesn't throw too many crazy things into you because uh, Human Resource Machine uh, is probably the best example I could give of a, a game like this that gets cr- absolutely crazy where it does a lot of uh, Essentially, memory functions that you have to do uh, a rather complex series of commands, for. but this doesn't seem to have that. At least as far as I got, which was about the ha- uh, the halfway point. Interesting.
0: I think I'm gonna put this on my wish list. It would be a great sale game mm-hmm. for me to buy and have something to play around with I mean, at it's, some point.
1: I mean, it's the ten dollar range. Yeah.
0: Uh, Usually, my impulse buys around five bucks. First time it goes up for a good sale. Yeah, which I
1: uh, don't imagine 50% off being that uh, hard to see. I'm pretty much the only people that uh, have disliked it that I've seen in the reviews are ones that had technical issues, but I don't have any, so I can't really attest to that.
0: Right. Okay, cool. Well, my next game is the games that I'm going to put together as one. Uh, Shadowrun Returns. And Shadowrun, Dragonfall, Director's Cut, the humble bundle, the last humble bundle. I don't know when the next time it's going to change out, but uh, at the bottom tier, it had these two games and a couple others. It's like classic games that have been uh, have spiritual successors or uh, classics reborn or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, it's already off. So okay, well, uh, it had both of these Shadowrun games, and if you got one of the top tiers, you got the third. Most recent release, um, but I didn't want to spend like fifteen bucks to get the it and also all those. I'm a big fan of the Shadowrun universe. I have read a couple of the books. The only previous Shadowrun game I've played before is on Xbox and Windows PC back in something like 2006 or seven. It was a first-person shooter, and it was honestly more of just like a Shadowrun-inspired game that kept a lot of the uh, base elements but changed things and. In- uh, and then I, I've, I've never played the tabletop game, but I'm familiar with some of the tabletop, uh, rule books and source material just because there's a lot of, uh, world building and story content in those books. I've read through some of them. Uh, in, in case you don't know, Shadowrun is a, originally a tabletop game, but it's, it has over the years expanded into novels, uh, video games of various sorts, and then many expansions. I think the most recent rulebook release was in 2017. Um, but anyways, it, it is a uh, techno-punk dystopian future where that uh, magic is cyclical. And every few thousand years, uh, <laughs> magic will return to the world, stick around for a while, and then fade away again. And this is during the uh, late 20th well, originally it was the late 20th, early 21st century where that it took place, but the rulebook has expanded over the years. And I think currently they're in the 2070s, maybe even the 2080s. Um, and there are a number of uh, fantasy races, dwarves, elves, dragons, etc. Um, anybody can be a magic user. Well, not specifically anybody can. like Any race can be a magic user, and it just depends on who has... Uh, enough inherent magic strength to be a mage or a shaman but there's also um cyborgs and people who replace their body with robot parts uh, or some people actually make themselves cyborgs there's a, a it's it's literally called the matrix which is this game's version of the internet whoa and it was the matrix before the matrix movie so i don't know if there was any sort of borrowing there from the. Wachowskis, but... Who knows? I've never heard anything about them uh, being influenced by Shadowrun, but it makes make sense. <laughs> because this game has a lot of that leather and sunglasses look to it that The Matrix does. Who knows? So, I have no- so it's kinky. It can be very kinky, yes. So Shadowrun... Both of these Shadowrun games are uh, isometric, turn-based RPGs uh, that are... Modern XCOM Lite. So each character in your uh in your team has a set number of action points. It starts at two. And as you progress through the game and level your character up, you can get up to four action points based on how you spend your skills. And this game is super RPG heavy. Um, there are certain builds that are best paired with a certain race or sort of class that you can that you start as, but you can spec in anything you want. If you want a troll that's a mage, which is something that they're poorly suited to, but the game allows you to do it. Um, I I played an elf because the elves have the most charisma. Uh, And one thing that these games do really well, both of them, is that it allows you to find many alternate solutions to the current uh, problem. You mean, you can pretty much always shoot your way out. But you can also talk your way out. You can sneak past certain objectives. If you have the right amount of charisma or intelligence, uh, you can find alternate solutions by, uh, by, like, hacking into a computer or doing a little social engineering to get your way past a problem. Um, So there's a decent amount of freedom in in how you solve things. I mean, ultimately, the final battle for both games turns into a shootout. Uh, But... Otherwise, all the way through, you have a lot of ways with how you, or a, a lot of choices for how to solve your problems. Um, both games play exactly the same, this turn-based battle system. Uh, what really differentiates Dragonfall from Returns is they just tweaked the engine. Uh, Dragonfall has got a much better UI. Things are easier to understand. It's organized more properly, easier to navigate, um, and it has a very slight difference to the graphics. Things look a little more 3D. I don't, they didn't change the engine, so they must have just done something with the way that it looks or the art assets. But Shadow on Returns looks, it does look old, but it looks a lot more like older isometric style games. Whereas Xenonauts. Dragonfall, yeah, Shadow on Returns is more Xenonauts, whereas Shadow on Dragonfall is more, I guess, modern XCOM looks, but not quite. Uh I don't mm, I didn't like these games in playing them. I love the stories. The writing is excellent and this really hits on a lot of my uh my style for the types of things that I like, sci-fi and magic. So, I mean, science fantasy. The aesthetics is, are really good. Like I said the writing is great. I love how it gives you a lot of choices without a handle things and Dragonfall much more so Shadowrun Returns is incredibly linear uh go here do x thing go back to your base talk to this person get your next mission go here do the thing go back to your base like that's how Shadowrun Returns plays out Shadowrun Dragonfall uses a more sort of hub and spoke type system for places that you go to and quests that you complete and there are certain uh missions that send you off to a place but you've got a much larger hub world to explore. There's more characters to interact with. Different places you can go in between missions. Um, and it's got that sort of mass effect. If you spend time talking to your teammates, you can unlock new missions and special missions for them, which will give them new abilities and powers thing that goes into it. So there's that as well. Uh, Both have their strengths and weaknesses. I wouldn't say that the story of one is any better or worse than the other one. Uh, they're just different in the scope that they're tackling. Shadowrun Returns feels very much like a detective story for most of the game, whereas Shadowrun Dragonfall feels much more grand sort of RPG. Think Dragon Age or Mass Effect, something like that. Like, the stakes are higher from the very beginning. Um, So, less focused in that respect, but by no means worse, just different. Uh, I think... I actually preferred Shadowrun Returns for the linear story. Just the way that it felt out. I mean, it really does feel like the first third to half of the game feels very noir inspired. Um and I won't say anything to spoil it. I know that you were you were wanting to play it and listeners out there you may also want to play it. So I won't I won't spoil it and eventually the story does take a turn and you know, things aren't what they seem and all of that jazz, but uh, I think I liked that better. It so only you were took me the f- entire time. Sure. Yes. But uh, it took me about fifteen hours to play through Returns. It took me about twenty-five, thirty hours to play through Dragonfall. Um, so I-, I think I liked Returns better, just for the linear story, and it was shorter. It was easier to digest. Uh, but like I was saying a couple minutes ago, I didn't really like playing the games. Uh, the combat system is too light for me to really enjoy the strategy of it. Um, it's got very basic cover mechanics, a very basic aiming system. Uh, there are some interesting things you can do with magic and sort of, I guess, tech powers, like drone control. Um, but that doesn't really come into play until the late game, when you've invested heavily into those skills, and can have multiple options with how to, uh, play them. Uh... so yeah the combat was in my opinion really weak i didn't like yeah i mean i'm not a big fan of isometric games especially when you can't rotate the camera you can't rotate the camera so it suffers from oh this is completely blocking my view and i'm trying to move to this area where my view is blocked and oh i misclicked well shit there goes one of my action points so i I just didn't like that Uh, if the camera could rotate i would have liked that a lot better So from a, from a gameplay perspective, I, I don't think they're bad. Just in general, isometric games still aren't really my cup of tea when they're very, I would say traditional. And I I thought that the combat system was too simple. Uh, I mean, it might be perfect for someone who doesn't play as many strategy games as I do turn-based, you know, tactics or combat games or, you know, sort of that wider genre So someone who's not as familiar with it might really appreciate it and enjoy it, but I found it too basic. I played through Shadowrun Returns exactly the way you're, you know, supposed to. I didn't cheat. But for Shadowrun Dragonfall, you can't import a character from Shadowrun Returns, and I didn't want to start from scratch, so I just went into the console commands and gave myself a ton of starting experience so that I could level up a whole bunch and basically be where I was at the end of Shadowrun Returns. And the first bit of the game when I did that was super easy, but... I'm not sure how a character who's playing through normally is supposed to beat some of those missions in sort of the mid game before you've really gotten into your stride as a a character with most of their abilities because Jesus, some of them were tough. And if I hadn't been able to essentially bypass a lot of the difficult bits just because my skills were higher than they should have been, I probably would have lost a lot in Dragonfall. But I just didn't want to start with a, a new character again. The story was still excellent. I still enjoyed the story. I mean, I played them both straight through in the over the course of a long weekend. I think my kid went to my parents' house or something, so I had a lot of time when I wasn't have to watch at him or do anything around the house. So, excellent story, gameplay in my personal opinion a little bit lacking, but I'm it's not because it's bad, it's just because it's not for me. But, I mean, I I loved these games for the story and the aesthetic alone. So, If you like good stories, these games are definitely for you. If you're a fan of the old Shadowrun from, like, the Super Nintendo, I think. And there might have been an old PC game, too. I don't remember. But if you like those older Shadowrun games, you'll definitely like this. Um, Some of the characters from the original games make an appearance in uh, Shadowrun Returns. I mean, if you don't know who they are, you you wouldn't care. You'd miss it. But I recognize them, and I... So... Uh, yeah, they're really good games. Really good stories. And I think most people would probably want more than me. It's just I'm the, the I guess, wrong sort
1: of person. Yeah, Game Club's going to be interesting. Uh, so, next up for me was Rad Rogers. Uh, this wants to be basically a love letter to 90s run-and-gun platformers. And They do that with probably the most annoying protagonist I've encountered in quite a while. This little shithead that just uh, is all mouth and really, that's about it. And he just irritated the ever-living fuck out of me. So, I I was not going to enjoy this to begin with, but then I started hitting some technical issues. Let's put it this way. This game is a lot more demanding than it has any right to be. (laughs) Uh, to the point where tabbing in and out in borderless window mode, I was having some issues. Which says something, huh?
0: Yeah. Usually borderless window mode is where you can tab to avoid problems.
1: Mm. I mean, I tried borderless window, I tried everything, but uh, so, Rad Rogers, I, it's, like I said, it's a run-and-gun platformer. Uh, love layer to the 90s, uh, over-the-top, uh, foul-mouth, a uh, sort of Conker's Bad Fur Day-esque in that. Only, probably my biggest problem with the game, well, I have two major problems with the game outside of technical issues. One is that it's very visually busy. I mean, you just look at some of the screenshots and see just how fucking busy it is. Like uh, the screenshot with uh, all the purple and the buzz souls. Yep, that is very hard to pick out in motion, and there was a lot of times just on the first couple of levels that I ran into obstacles because it was very hard to pick out from uh, the background of the st- objects on the character level, and also the foreground because it's one of those platformers that has a foreground layer, which just I absolutely hate. I hate it whenever there's things that obstruct my view because. Uh, yeah, it makes it look more 3D when it's a 2D platformer, and uh, uh it just handles very awkwardly because of it. And the other thing is that a lot of the uh, sections of the uh, game requires it's not really precision platforming, but more of a rhythm platforming. You know, dropping platforms, uh, timing events like souls like that would uh, be moving, so you'd have to have a certain timing. Well, certain enemies, for no inexplicable reason, would suddenly have a lot more health. One of them, out of a uh, large group. And I would run into them constantly because, you know, you're running and gunning, you're sh- killing things very quickly. All of a sudden, you're running into something that is a lot more durable than you would think. Oh, I'm going to take damage because I was a uh, jumping addict. And this isn't Mario where landing on it uh, kills it. And, well, let's see. Oh, oh, well, since the character annoyed me so much, I guess this is kind of a blessing in disguise. It's short. I mean, fucking short. It's eight levels. That is pretty short. I mean, granted, if you want to be a completionist, well, good luck. Because it does that fucking annoying thing where a lot of the collectibles are hidden behind... Uh, obstacles that otherwise it looked like you would take damage. Like, I missed a jump, thought I was going to take damage on some spikes, and I fell through the spikes and picked up a, a secret. Oh. Yeah, one okay. of those. Yeah, it's one of those that, back in the nineties they would have you call a 1-900 number for uh, the god, right? Yeah. So, uh, I suppose
0: you could just look that up online now, but still, that would be frustrating for whoever's making the guide for the first time.
1: Oh, uh, yeah that poor intern uh it's just there there's a lot of things here that uh guess I've realized that they're uh nineties uh trips there's nineties mechanics, but there's a reason why yeah you know, we don't make platformers like we did twenty years ago, you know, yeah, and it's just uh, it's a combination of. Being very visually busy, uh, having some technical issues. as A matter of fact, unless they fixed it in the last patch, which I haven't fired up the game uh, since I originally, uh, yeah, toyed around with it for a little bit and then dropped it. Uh, it was actually uh, impossible to hundred percent, hundred percent, because of bugs that there was a couple uh, collectibles that people are complaining that were uh, not uh, being collectible or you know able to be collected. You know. Yeah. Which for a short game like this, where a lot of the emphasis on the replayability is to uh, find all the collectibles, is unforgivable. Uh, yeah. Let's see, anything else? Uh, they have a, a this oddball rift system where uh, occasionally you'll uh, run into a part of the level that, well, you're in a video game, alright? Uh, you're right. uh, You're this uh, little foul mouthed uh, uh, shit of a kid that uh, is refusing to go to bed, uh, and uh, he's up playing video games. And while well, his mom eventually uh, tells him uh, uh, go to sleep and turns off the video game, yeah, you know, while he's playing it. Yeah, I think we've all been there.
0: Yep, more than once. Well, he
1: wakes up in the middle of the night. The video, uh, the uh, game console's turned itself on, and he gets sucked in. Right. As you do, yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, we've all used that excuse as well. It turned itself on. Well, I got sucked in. Well, uh, parts of the level, I guess this a uh, uh, game was developed by Ubisoft, are just missing. <laughs> uh, actually, it's uh, published by THQ uh, North or uh, Nordic uh, in Three D Realms, which maybe that explains a few things. Uh, um, Uh, Parts of the levels are missing and you have to go into these drifts with Dusty, your console that's come with you for some reason. And it changes uh, style of game from a run and gun platformer to this uh, weird... You know, have you ever played the game Osmos? You know, that 2D kind of floaty uh, uh, feel where you have to... It's not even a a shooter. I'm not sure how to explain it. it. you're having to dodge and weave and uh, usually try to do something in these rifts. Either uh, uh, stay in a particular position long enough, but because there's so much shit coming at you, that's going to be very difficult. Or you just uh, go over and hit X and you know he punches the uh, pizza level geometry into place. Yeah, because that's bug fixing, right? You just hit it hard enough. <laughs> yep. Uh But these riffs are just annoying as hell. And this is actually the second version of this game. They have released one version. This is a Kickstarter, by the way. Uh Their Kickstarter uh, was successful. They released uh, Rad Rogers World 1, which is, you know, eight levels plus a boss. You know, four hours of gameplay. Four hours of some change, I guess. And that's, uh, you yeah, know, 100%ing it. Well, this is the second version of it, just Rad Rogers... Uh, And it's just, I'm not sure why they released a second version and added a couple vertical uh, scrolling levels and that's about it. Oh, and hats. They added hats. Woo, hats. Yeah, a good thing this didn't release like five years ago, then there would be a TF2 promotion. (laughs) Remember when that was a thing?
0: Yeah. I do, just barely.
1: Uh, Yeah, I'm just I'm unimpressed by it, just because of how visually busy it is it's doesn't it never feels like it really gets its stride because there's long sections of you know I'm, I'm actually kind of enjoying this okay it's it's a little hard to see what exactly i'm trying to platform oh suddenly an enemy's uh requiring me to stop because it uh, has twice the health it's just a weird weird uh thing and it, it doesn't seem to be reviewed all, well it it doesn't seem to reviewed Harley at any <laughs> also. Well, I don't think we'll be seeing more of Rad Rogers. That poor little foul mouth kid. Ah well. Ah him.
0: Okie dokie. Next on my list is Space Engineers. Space Engineers is a game I've played many times over the years, and it's been in early access for something like two, three, three years. Let's see, it released in October 23rd, 2013, so four and a half years, roughly, Space Engineers has been in This is, I love survival crafting games, I was a huge Minecraft player several years ago of games like this, and Space Engineers is that perfect blend of survival crafting, easy to play and learn, and my theme being sci-fi themed. Uh, but Space Engineers has been plagued over the years with bugs and performance issues and performance issues and bugs and performance issues. And did I mention performance issues? Um, at one point, you they actually advised turning the settings to max because how, of how poorly or how weirdly the game was optimized. Having it set to max settings would be better even on weaker computers because of some weird issue with how it just streamline the performance so you could get better performance with the graphics turned up as opposed to
1: lowering well, them. simple. Like you would think you what would. What you do is you rename all the graphics settings. Yeah.
0: Um, but they've, the last two or three updates, they've really been like, okay guys, we're getting closer to being what we consider full release. We've got all of the features in the games that are in the game. And now it's time To streamline performance and fix bugs. And so, after about three patches of this, last week I was like, you know, I've played several very story-heavy games. Something that was really, really, like, taxing to, you know, with Xenonauts for strategy and things like that. I just want to chill, lay back, mine some minerals, build and build some spaceships. Well,
1: see, you should have went mudding with me.
0: Maybe. But... Space Engineers seems to have fixed many of its problems, especially on the performance end. Before, the last time I played this, my PC was the exact same build. The only thing that's changed since the last time I played this is I have a a monitor with a 144Hz refresh rate as opposed to just 60Hz. But before, I was very lucky to get uh, a steady 60. It never dipped below 30, but it was extremely inconsistent and jittery, which honestly, in my opinion, is worse than just being able to run at a steady 30. Um, but now, it runs at a steady 120, and it is not jittery at all. There's the an occasional sort of hitch whenever it's loading the next large chunk, um, because the the scope of this game is huge. Like, you have a a really large planet that you can spawn on. There's the, a couple of moons that you can go to. There is uh, a Mars-like planet, many, an infinite amount of spawning asteroids if you're just flying around in space. Um, So it, it loads really large chunks and every once in a while you'll cross that, that line. Uh, But it, I think it adaptively learns where you're playing the most because, after a little while of my base uh it stopped loading new chunks until I needed to go on an exploration mission to find uh ice so that I could start converting it to o two and h two for my uh my first chemical thrusters to get off world or
1: just generate all that and kept it in memory yeah it might
0: have done that too um but for for the first few hours, every time I would go on an expedition, it would hitch and load another part. So I I think it is sort of adapting to like, okay, you're in these areas. I'll put these in, in memory. Um, the only real performance problem that I had was the initial load or the initial boot. Um, and then the initial generation of the world. But what I did was I just moved the install file from my hard drive to my SSD. And I didn't have any, any problems with that, which by the way, that's something you can do in steam. You can change if you have multiple steam, uh, folders, installed across multiple drives, you can move a game from one drive to another one without having to delete it and reinstall it. Yeah, it's very
1: handy. I've done that.
0: Yeah, I I discovered that uh, with Space Engineers, actually. And I was like, oh, well this will be neat in the future. Uh, they've also added a story campaign, which I have not tried. I didn't want to... The story campaign is locked to a certain to, to certain settings, and I didn't want to have to deal with this game's version of uh zombies and creepers, which are the spiders and the wolves. I left the pirates in. Uh but you don't really discover many pirates until you get to space. So it's basically a peaceful game until I get
1: into space. Yeah, you know, the Martian would have been a lot more interesting if uh he had to deal with creepers.
0: <laughs> yeah, I suppose it would have. Um
1: a lot more sweary uh, also, most likely. Yeah. I know whenever I was playing Minecraft, oh uh Build something, turn around, and there was a creeper right there. And blow it up. Little fuckers. Oof. Yeah,
0: so they, they've they also fixed a lot of the issues regarding wheels and things that used to be really weird and unpredictable. There's, there are still physics glitches from time to time. Uh, we were chatting the other night, and uh, I was starting my build of my first rocket to during that. And I forget exactly what it was that happened, but I had to reload a few times until I could... You got stuck get in a hole. Fixed. Yeah. Yeah. And, and during the reloads, my uh, engine bell glitched through the platform I was building on, and I'm, bu- I'm my base is dug into the side of a mountain, and so it just plummeted to its doom and exploded at the base of the mountain. Yeah, like you do. Yeah,
1: like you do. Uh, I'm so, pretty sure SpaceX has had that happen once.
0: Yeah, a couple of times they've had things explode falling off of their platforms. Um it, I haven't played this multiplayer in a long time, but uh the most of the people are still saying that multiplayer are where the game has a lot of issues. Just especially physics glitches with multiple people being or being in a server if it's not a dedicated server. So We'll see, but I, 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 mean, I remember Spaceman and I played it for quite some time. We built uh, we we did the survival modes and started on the, the Earth-like planet and built a ship, and we were building a, a space station, I believe, when we quit playing. And that was a ton of fun. So if they ever get the multiplayer issues worked out, I'd love to play this with some people, multiplayer. Yeah, maybe I'll it give it another like,
1: shot if they do a free weekend and see how performance does for me. Yeah. Because uh, it was technically playable, but it wasn't uh, playable to the point where I would enjoy it.
0: Yeah. And this game doesn't have the learning curve that a lot of other sort of survival-style games do, because you don't have to worry about food or water or sleeping. Um, There are some really advanced things that you can do, but, like, they're still beyond my level. Like, you can build automatic fabrication facilities and create blueprints and then the fab facilities can basically churn ships out for you based on the blueprints. Yeah, then you forget, you turn it off not... and you
1: come back and uh, the entire sector's filled with enterprises. Yeah, well, that's not so bad. Well, until, you yeah, the one from where the board wins uh, starts going crazy. Yeah. But
0: I've got something like 150 hours in this game, and I'm nowhere near that level. Um, so, yeah, it's it, it's very easy to learn. But it's got a really high skill ceiling for what you're allowed to do. Well, this is and there are people uh, who write. Well, oh, sorry, go ahead. As I say, there are people who write custom sk- scripts and programs for this game to do other things as well, like create uh, sun tracking uh, solar panels, for example, so that you need less solar panels to get maximum uh, the maximum recharge rate for your base. And there's people who have built homing missiles and automated drones and things like that. So. It's, you can get really complex with it, or you can just do what I do right now, which is build everything by hand, very slowly, and realize that something's broken, and then tear it down and fix it.
1: Well, I was going to ask, have you looked at Stationeers? Uh, here uh, on Steam. Uh, Stationeers- It sounds familiar. Uh, Stationeers is essentially space engineers only focused on, on uh, bases.
0: Okay. yeah i must have seen this at some point it's on my
1: wish list already yeah it's a a very interesting thing Uh, and i think it would be right up your alley it's something i'd love to dive in at some point but it's in extremely early access yeah there's one there's one other thing space engineers has added they've added
0: a a cosmetic skin system to the game uh which makes me wary right now there's no way to actually purchase these they're not in loot boxes or anything there's a thing you can turn on when you do your world generation, which will spawn um, satellites that, well, it'll spawn derelicts and crashing satellites that, you know, plummet from orbit or when you're in space, they'll sometimes spawn in orbit near you. You And you can go to them. Yeah. And you can go to them and you can uh, scrap their materials. And sometimes they have cargo bays with things inside that you can take. Uh, But there's also a chance that you can get, just various cosmetic skins, like I've got a rainbow skin for my uh my hand drill, I've got a leopard print helmet, something called a graffiti welder, which is too small to actually see without equipping it and using it, uh, and it uses the Steam Inventory System, so these can be sold. They have really low value for yeah, it's the most essentially part.
1: essentially the Battle Block uh, Theater System. Where yeah. it's cosmetics uh, that you get through the game uh, just uh, uh, randomly because Battle Block Theater is uh, literally a gotcha machine, you know. Uh, you yeah. uh, get some need, well, in this case, yarns because of cats. And you get a random character head. Yeah. And it goes into your Steam inventory and they're worth pretty much, well, they're hardly worth the ones and zeros they're printed on. Yeah. Um,
0: they've said that the, you can't get duplicates unless you sell an item, in which case then it's no longer in your inventory, so there's a chance that it'll spawn again. Most of them only sell for three cents, which is the minimum, where someone actually makes a penny off of the item. But, I mean, you can just go, and you can go into the, um, what are the, the console command menu, and spawn those satellites until basically you get everything. So, I don't, I mean, it, it seems like it's, just a properly implemented sort of random loot drop system, which I'm perfectly fine with, but with everything that ha- has been going on for the last yeah. couple of years in terms of industry trends, it makes me leery, but at least with how it's implemented currently, I have no issue with it. It's just occasionally, Oh look, I'll go see if there's a scan inside the cargo container.
1: Well, it does encourage you to go do that because, you know, it, you have a chance of uh, getting a cosmetic. And pre- yep. pretty things uh, do drown people.
0: Honestly, my, the best thing that I, I like from it is, p- particularly when the satellites spawn, they have small nuclear reactors powering them. So it's an unlimited source of free reactor parts, which are some of the most expensive or resource expensive parts to produce in the game. And also you get a small amount of uranium. And uranium takes the longest amount to go through your refinery. And it's not a lot, but it's enough uranium usually to power a small ship for a mission or two. And especially in the early game, that goes a long way.
1: Yeah, pretty much so. no reason to turn that uh, option off, huh?
0: No, unless you just find it annoying. It happens usually about twice an hour. You'll get a little notification chirp, and then you'll get a, a GPS coordinate uh, tracking it where it's falling out of the sky, at least on planets. I haven't encountered any in space yet. I've done one test flight. To make sure that my ship worked properly to go up to space and come back. And I didn't see any during that time.
1: Yeah, I'm just uh, looking around. At... There are a, f- a few of these that are more expensive. Granted, those are likely limited items because uh, like, there's a few that's in the $10 range plus. Wow. Yeah, I haven't checked. All the ones that
0: I have are like three cents. Uh, I have the one most expensive that's worth... thing is
1: the Ferro Grinder, which is thirty six dollars. Okay. Uh, then there—that
0: must be yeah either limited or just well, extremely well, it's,
1: rare. Uh, rate it, it has an orange, uh, uh, rate uh rarity to it. So I'm assuming that it's extremely rare if it's uh, yeah in the crates at all.
0: Yeah, it follows the standard. WoW loot system, white, green.
1: But also, I'm um, looking at the market, and people just aren't buying these.
0: Yeah, I mean, there's no reason to, because you can just find them all over.
1: Yeah, so. let's see, there's a frozen suit, which looks like your suit just uh, is, yeah, covered in ice. Yeah, like you do. Yeah. Uh, And it's in the $10 range, and it's a purple.
0: The only ones that I've seen really sell are the, it's called the veteran suit, which you only can get uh, if you purchase the game before a certain point. It's like 2015 or maybe sometime in 2016. So I I have the veteran suit, but it's basically the standard suit, but it's like all tattered and worn down because it's like old. Like you. Yeah, like
1: me. So space
0: engineer's seems to be mostly working, and that makes me happy.
1: <laughs> I just uh, found the leopard helmet, and because of the uh, lights on the side, it looks like it has candy ears.
0: Yeah, I think the leopard helmet and the rainbow drill are my two favorite so far.
1: And two were sold uh, today for three cents each. So, yeah. There you go. Okay, so my turn? Yep, your turn. Uh, so, my next game up is Earthworms. This is a point-and-click adventure game where you're a psychic detective, and well, it has an interesting art style, so it has that going for it. And that's really about it. This was another failed Sunday sampler, and I went through, I went around in circles in this game for about ten or fifteen minutes, and I'm not sure if it's bugged for me, which I was getting a, uh, uh, events happening over and over again, you know it, it, like it wouldn't uh, mark off a flag or an event flag that I've already done it so he would, it be, he would be able to pick up the same thing over and over again and make the same comments or if I'm just too dense to get the obtuse uh, solution, which is also very possible but this game it it just reeks of quality because the ham on the uh counter and the like the third screen that you encounter uh, that you go through was named a hand it was it had a typo nice yeah that that just uh, uh, screams that, oh this is gonna go well huh uh but it started to get really weird really quickly. So I had a feeling that I wasn't going to enjoy it anyway. I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, kind of uh, spooky, creepy. I mean, just full out uh, Cthulhu-esque. You know, you uh, go into this uh, diner and uh, distract the uh, uh, waitress to uh, be able to find a secret room. And for some reason, there's a body in a casket down there and it has tentacles growing all over it. Yeah, like you do. Indeed, like I do. And then you leave the diner, and there's a pig head uh, from uh, the uh, bar, and in, uh, from inside the bar, now outside with uh, "Go away" written in blood. The detective doesn't even comment on it. It's like, yeah, well, must be a, uh, Thursday. Uh, but uh, the big hook on this was that, yeah, you know, the psychic detective thing, where he's able to see, get premonitions about things. And he's used it in his cases in the past. Uh, Well, according to him, because... Hell if I know, right? Because as far as I know, there's not another game in this series. And it's... obtuse. You get a a vague image of usually two things. And that's about it. And you have to try to figure out how those interact. If they interact. And I never got... Any of them to make a lick of sense. So that that was the big hint system was go you know, this uh, premonition image system, which was just complete nonsense. And the fact that it was getting very surreal, which I don't enjoy to begin with, and it had typos in it, and just the the puzzle that I was stuck on uh, was giving me no hints and really no info on how to progress so yeah so moon logic pretty much either that or the game was bugged which i'm looking at the screenshot on uh the store page and unless there's a second thing of the uh uh or a a second time you use this computer that computer uh screen that i'm looking at there Looks nothing like the one I was uh, dealing with. So, uh, maybe I was just bugged, which is very possible. I mean, how the game had a typo in it in the first five minutes. Yeah. And you could see the guy with all the tentacles on him as well. So, yeah. Weird game. If you want a very cheap, very buggy, or potentially buggy uh, point-and-click adventure, I don't know why you'd want this, but there you go. There you go, indeed. I will I say suppose. that I will say it does have an interesting art style. It has a very painted art style. You know, well, uh, they uh, mentioned an artist that they were emulating the style of on the store page, and I'm not seeing him. Uh, Edward Hopper. So, uh, it's based on his artwork. And I could definitely see it whenever I looked up uh, some of his art. Which I've seen in the past, it's just it's not a name that really cl- uh, stuck with me. So I will say that it does have a good art style. It's a it's a looker, but not a player.
0: <laughs> well, that's pretty. I mean, that's better than
1: nothing, I suppose. So moving swiftly along, and we're going to hit the, the two-hour next... mark on this.
0: <laughs> yeah, the next game on my list is Dark Souls One,
1: and somewhere uh, Kyle, Kyle
0: has a re- has an erection. Kyle streamed a couple of weeks ago, Dark Souls, and his intent was to play through the whole game in one evening. But he got sidetracked and got stuck in a couple of places, and that I didn't then got happen. drunk. But it's and it's been several years. Like I've I've played Dark Souls once a long time ago, and I didn't like it. But watching Kyle play it made me think, you know, maybe maybe I should give this another shot. And I had Dark Souls one, and I just got Dark Souls three from the. Uh, although that was by accident, I wasn't going to get it. But then, uh, I forgot to like pause it to wait the month out. So I wound up. But uh, yeah, Kyle convinced me to play Dark Souls, and he tagged along and watched me play for a while uh, via stream. The game itself is not that bad. Uh, it gives me hope for playing the m- most recent uh, Dark Souls, so Dark Souls Three and a couple of the sort of Dark uh, Souls-type games. I forget specifically what it's called, but I'm thinking of the sci-fi one. Um, The Surge? Yeah, The Surge. It gives me hope for playing those games, because I realized that my problems with Dark Souls were not the gameplay itself. It's definitely challenging in places, and I mean, I'm only in the first few hours of the game, but it's definitely challenging in places, but it's fair. Like, Every time I died, I didn't feel like it was because, well, there was one part, but again, that was still my fault. Every time I died, I didn't feel like I was cheated or the game was unfair or whatever. It was very clearly, well, I fucked up and I got killed. Uh, There was the first boss that you fight, there's a platform that you walk out on. And it's during the tutorial section and it tells you if you do an attack while you're falling, it's a plunging attack and it does bonus damage. Uh And I stood there on the platform for a second, and the boss looked up at me, and I was like, oh, that's interesting. He looks at me. I wonder if he's just gonna, like, wait here for the tutorial to... And, like, before I could finish my thought, he smashes the platform <laughs> with his giant hammer, and I fall down, and he stomps me to death immediately.
1: I was like, okay, the d- cool. The definition of curb stomp.
0: Yeah. Uh And then there was a, one point later where that I was ganged up on by a group of enemies that I didn't see, but it was after I had... Uh, made a mistake and died, and I was just running back to collect my souls, which souls are basically experience points that you get from killing enemies. And if you die, you drop all of your souls where you were, and you can go back and pick them up to recover them. And I was just running straight back to get them, and I forgot that there was a group of enemies that I had fought through, and I ran past them, and they followed me up and killed me right where I had died before. So... I was like, where the fuck did those guys come from? And then I went, oh wait, I killed them the first time and I just sprinted past them the second time and they chased me up the stairs. Okay, good to know. So like I said, every time I died, I didn't feel like I was, I felt like it was my fault. I had done something wrong and I just needed to learn and do better. So gameplay wise and aesthetic wise and from what I know, lore wise, Dark Souls is something that has definitely piqued my interest that I'm considering playing through. But on the technical side, specifically for Dark Souls 1, I have heard that future Dark Souls games, particularly the third one, have done away with these issues, but trying to get Dark Souls working was a nightmare.
1: Yeah, I've I've been told that you pretty much have to mod it.
0: Yeah, it, it loads and it plays fine without having to do anything, but if you have multiple controller inputs, you have to go and actually disable... You can't just unplug, because I tried that. I tried just unplugging my Hotas, but it didn't work. You have to go and disable them from your uh, device manager before it would pick up my Xbox controller. Uh, And on top of that, the game is locked to 30, which within the first 10 minutes, I considered quitting because of that. But I stuck it out and played for a couple of hours just to try and get it. And there's no way to change that without downloading whatever the big mod is for it. Uh, which unlocks the frame rate or makes it where you can set the frame rate to 60 inch and fixes some of the other issues with the game but yeah it was it was rough it was terrible trying to play that at 30 i was starting to get a headache by the the end uh despite it being at 30 though the controls were surprisingly responsive uh, it didn't, didn't feel Dar- like
1: there was t- uh, didn't dark souls also have a thing on when the later games were? yeah the pc version was uh, taking double durability damage because it was tied to the frame rate?
0: I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. Um,
1: uh, go, go ahead and keep talking. I'm going to look this up.
0: But it's not a super difficult process to go through modding it, but I just don't want to do it. I don't want to deal with it. I want to just move on to Dark Souls 3 and just start there.
1: Yes, it was Dark Souls 2. <laughs>
0: it had a okay. durability
1: bug where. Uh, the durability was uh, tied to the frame rate and uh, the uh, weapon physically hitting things. And because the weapon art or the weapon animation would play twice as many frames on 60 FPS versus 30, because, yeah, twice the frames, it dealt twice the durability damage.
0: Yeah. Uh, well, then I assume there's a patch or a mod uh, to fix that, but... yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm interested in Dark Souls. I want to play Dark Souls. And even though it's only, like, probably 20 to 30 minutes to go through and make sure the mod's set up and working properly. It's just that I just don't, it's that, that time, you know? I just don't want to put that effort in. I would just rather move on, because I have Dark Souls 3. I'd just rather move on to Dark Souls 3 and start there. I
1: will say that the surge looks very interesting. Yeah. I'm just going to wait until all the DLC is out for it, because they're doing some sort of theme park DLC. Are they releasing really- I'll just pick it up. Oh shit, it's
0: 60% off. Oh no. What? I said I wasn't going to to spend any more money on games and just save up. Yeah. The Surge is only 16 bucks right now. Tempting. The Complete Edition is $25. Ooh. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I was surprised that I like Dark Souls, honestly. Because I had, like I said, played it before and I hated it. And I don't know why I hated it. I don't know if it's because... At the time, well, I've never you know, actually years sat ago. Down and played
1: it. It's just, I had a friend that went absolutely nuts on Dark Souls and would talk about it obsessively to the point where I didn't even bother loading it up. Yeah.
0: I, I, I don't know. I, I've just changed a lot as a person and as a gamer in the you know, six years since I played Dark Souls. Five or six years. And I think just now I'm ready to play this type of game that is much more challenging and requires you to focus and, and things like that. So, I'm into the game, but I just don't want to go through the hassle of making it the game I want it to be. And I know that there's the most recent one. Everyone, you know, praised for improving on things. I thought they praised the, the older games. Well, they do that too. But, you know, I I think... I think I might just skip to Dark Souls 3. I'm very sorry, Kyle. I know you were excited to do some co-op, but... Yeah, I think I'm just going to skip to 3. And then I might buy The Surge and play that too. I don't know. I said I wasn't going to spend any more money on games for a while and save up for that trip to your wedding, Kyle. But, yeah, games, man. They're just they're just calling to me. I think you to understand. Yeah, I think you'll understand. No, I, his wedding is several months away. I've been 16 bucks on The Surge. But uh yeah. I, I I like I like the concept, I like the game, I like the aesthetic, I like the lore, I hate the how technically broken Dark Souls one is. And I don't want to go through the effort to fix it because I'm lazy. Like really fucking lazy guys. So Oh don't worry, we know. Yeah, I think I'm just gonna skip to Dark Souls three. It's like the Dark Brotherhood, we know.
1: Indeed. Anyways, what's next on your list? Uh Well, you had a very slow and clunky game. I have a very fast and clunky game. I have Beanders. This is a first-person platformer, so... I think we uh, see the problem already, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> well, this is a first-person puzzle platformer. Where Actually, I don't really know what's going on in this outside of... You have to hit switches and dunk... uh uh, balls and uh, put uh, cubes in uh, places. And it's one of those games that it's built around the possibility of speed running, but I don't spend enough time with the game to be able to get that fluidity. And if you don't know where things are in this game, it's very annoying. There's uh, I actually went through a fair amount of this game, to be perfectly honest. Uh it's has a lot of very short levels. Actually, it shows me only playing a half an hour of this, and I know i played played Uh It has a lot of, of very short levels, where you're able to beat them very quickly, but if you want to get all the unlocks, which, actually, I don't know if they do anything. I don't see any achievements atti- attached to this. Oh, actually, never mind, I do now. Uh, I do see achievements, and it looks like maybe hitting all of them, but uh, it does something. But uh, you only have to really do a certain amount of the uh, stuff in the level. Uh, And like I said, it's built around speedrunning, so that makes sense. But uh, I went around in circles for a a few minutes because I didn't see that the switch I had to hit with this, uh, essentially dodgeball, for lack of a better term, was directly above me. And you don't look up in video games ever, you know? Just like in real life, you don't look up. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and, and Unless you're watching Star Hustler. Then you always have to keep looking up. Or did you ever see that PBS show? I did not. Uh, it was about astronomy. You know, uh, we'll talk about uh, the uh, events of the night sky. I have a
0: question. What game mode is No Meanders Sky?
1: Uh, It essentially adds a jetpack.
0: Ah, I was going, like, I was watching the uh, the Steam trailer. Well, I
1: was uh, going to get to that, is that uh, they have a lot of modifiers in this game where you're able to unlock various additional game modes or additional things, and they mock a lot of things. Uh, Well, a matter of fact, uh, they have different settings for the AI that uh, could chatter away, and one of them is very Gladys-like. You know, very sarcastic, very uh, condescending, no voiceover, and it gets re- repetitive. So, yeah, you know, that kind of takes the fun out of it, you know? Because part of the fun of Gladys was that it was a full voiceover and it was not repetitive unless you constantly fell on the level. Yeah. Uh, but I-, I could see someone enjoying this, uh, especially if they enjoy uh, speedrunning. Granted, if they enjoy speedrunning, I imagine that they would play, you know, something a little bit more mainstream because, yeah, I don't think anyone's really going to be in the speedrunning. It's not bad, though. It's just, it it has some weird things because it's built around speedrunning instead of normal platforming. And the fact that it's a first-person platformer is also irritating. There was this uh, section in one of the levels where you had to get the ball through this uh, rather long series of lasers. And the lasers don't kill you. Here's the, that's the odd thing. Lasers don't kill you, but they'll kill the ball. So you have to kind of move the ball in first person to get around all these lasers. And it's very disorienting because, you know, it's a first person, uh, movement and platforming, you know? First person platforming never works. I don't know why they keep insisting on trying it, you know? Yeah, it's got a pretty nice art style. Yeah, and I like yeah, that. Yeah, they have a lot of different filters and modes on it as well. You can see one of them on one of the screenshots where it's a purple, uh, uh, essentially 80s uh, uh, grid. It's in the very middle of all the screenshots. There's a few of them there. The orange one is yeah, another. Yeah, I see
0: it. See, I, yeah, I see it. It feels
1: very... Yeah, Tron esque eighties where it's all vectors and uh, the uh, the uh, grid. Uh, they have several of those that unlock. There's a lot of unlockables. There's a lot of uh, different modes. So you know, if you want something that's dirt cheap, that you know, you could learn to speed run and you know, be the best in the world in it because you're the only one playing this fucking game. Well, there you go. <laughs> I'm the best. Out of one person. I'm also... Uh, I'm also the worst. I'm the best and the worst at speedrunning in this game. If you're not first, you're last. Second place winner is the first place loser. Actually, that reminded me I, I, I saw a thing about Dark Souls speedrunning recently. I think it was Dark Souls that the that one person holds literally every category's record. Good for that, dude. That that guy's played way too much. Speedrunning both, both fascinates and horrifies me. Because it requires a lot of practice and a lot of understanding how the game works behind the scenes. Yeah. Alrighty. My turn?
0: Yep. Alright, let's talk about the game that made me sick. Like physically sick. Where I threw up. A little bit. Uh, Vir- Virginia. Virginia is a walking simulator game. That is genuinely trying to emulate an episode of, at least in its style, an episode of, like, a Law and Order or something like that. uh, With the way that uh, you observe a lot of things happening in the story as opposed to partaking in them. And the way that the camera movement is and the way that it cuts between scenes. And on paper, that sounds like a really good idea. And there might be a way to make it work. But Virginia is not that. No, Virginia makes is a vomit comet. Um, there are v- quite a few people, like it's not a rare reaction I-, I discovered within like five minutes of Googling about the game, that it makes people sick. Uh, there's a combination of things that do that. And I'll talk about the story in a little bit. I didn't finish. The game's only like 90 minutes long. Uh, two hours if you really explore all of the environments and find the various collectibles. Yeah, but why would you? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, it makes people sick through a combination of things. Number one, it's got an artificial, exaggerated head bob as you walk. Um. Number two, the field of view is too narrow, and also it does this weird dynamic field of view to give different scenes different looks uh but it changes rapidly because the game uses jump cuts uh like you would see in tv shows you know uh, you walk into the elevator and the doors close and then jump cut to a hallway as you're walking down the hallway and it's very disorienting with an extremely narrow field of view my guess is it's somewhere
1: between resident evil the original resident evil
0: yeah, like that, only in first person instead of with tank controls. But my my guess is that the in the the most common frame rate or not frame rate, the most common uh field of view is somewhere around 50 degrees, 45 to 50 degrees. Oh, that's horrifying. Um there are certain scenes where I can tell that it's punched out a little bit to somewhere around 65 or 70. Um But also, there are some scenes that I don't know what the FOV is, because it looks like you're watching this, or or viewing this game through a fisheye lens, which is incredibly disorienting. Um, It really fucks with your spatial awareness, especially in the scenes where you're driving in the car with your partner, because it's like, I, I would say that... Like, technically, you could say the FOV is really wide in that scene, but it's because it's using a fisheye lens. So your peripherals are distorted, but you've got a really wide uh, view. But you can freely move the camera around in that. So you've got this weird fisheye view as you're looking around the inside of the car, and it just starts turning my stomach into knots. Um, There's also really weird... Thing. So this game has got uh, some X-Files vibe to it, uh, there's, some depth, there's some definite paranormal shit going on in the story, um, and it, your partner fe- feels very much like a, a Fox Mulder type, like her office is in the basement, and the first time you go to the office it takes like, I don't know, 5-6 minutes, which is a really long amount of time in a game that's only about 90 minutes long to go through, like, five scene transitions to get to the office to to meet your partner. So, it, it does some weird stuff, apparently later on, weirder stuff with the camera that I didn't even get to. But there are some odd effects and some definite weird moments, like there's one scene where you're sitting in your bed reviewing evidence. Um, like you do. Like you do. And suddenly, like, a bull appears next to you and then there's like a portal to hell that you see but you don't go near it and then it turns out you were like dreaming there's this weird unreliable narrator thing going on like you can't trust what you see which i think is a cool concept for a game um this game has a lot of interesting things to go into it so let's let me shift gears for a minute to talk about what this game is uh it's set in the early 90s And you are a black female FBI agent who just graduated from Quantico. You just got your badge. Uh, And your first assignment is to investigate your new partner. They suspect that your new partner is doing something. There's no dialogue in this game. There's no subtitles to read. There's no spoken dialogue. You can only uh, interpret what's going on. And occasionally they hand you some things that have stuff written on it. Like you get a case file about your new partner, which you can take a minute to read. Um, and they suspect that she's basically breaking the rules, like doing, uh, drugs and things to try and tap into some sort of spirit world to solve this cold case. Oh, the peyote. Um, and they're worried that she, uh, needs to be fired. Um, or let go because she's become a liability. And that's why she's down in the basement office, like Mulder. She's going off about all this supernatural stuff. um, But they don't really have a real reason to fire her yet. So you're sent to be her partner and investigate her. And as the game progresses, um, you come into contact with these weird, unexplainable things, and you get this very unreliable narrator sense. Like I said, this scene is treated seriously. Like you're reviewing evidence, looking at the things that you do from your first day on the case... Uh, in the bedroom of your hotel, and all of a sudden, you're, like, having this out-of-body experience, and you see your character sitting on the bed, and this bull just randomly appears in the room, and you saw it earlier, uh, during one of the previous scenes, um, and it's standing in your bedroom, and it walks over, and, like, opens your closet, and there's a portal to hell, I think, it's a portal to hell, it's, like, all red and smoky, and you try and close the closet, but you can't, and then this, like, monster starts to come out, and then you swap back to your character on the bed, and everything, like, vanishes. And there's other times where you see stuff, and then you, like, pan the camera away, and then you look back, and it's gone. Uh, and later on in the story, you sort of agree with your partner that there's some weird stuff going on, and you try and have a a spirit walk by also taking the peyote. Uh, and around that time is when I got sick and threw up, and decided that I was just going to stop playing it and read the rest of the oh, story. bad trip. Yeah, I got massive simulation sickness from this game. The first time I played it, I played it for about 30 minutes. And it took me roughly two hours to recover. And the second time I played it, I was like, okay, I'm going to take this in much smaller chunks. Ten minutes at a time or so. Take uh, your, uh, your uh, anti
1: sickness pills.
0: Yeah. And over the course of the next couple of days, I'm going to finish this game and experience the story because I really like games that try new things. And this is a, a big spin on the sort of walking simulator or a a new take on that. And it also addresses some interesting story points being a black female FBI officer in the nineties. There's very clear racial bias against you in the game that you can't, you can't do anything about. Um, Not only are you black, but you're also a woman, and also you're a brand new FBI agent. So you literally can't do anything. Uh, And there's nothing like violent or graphic, like rape or anything, but characters give you looks and will like shove you out of the way in the elevator and things like that. So it's a really interesting way to use video games as a tool to uh, bring that sort of uh, racial and, and sexual bias up. And I like the idea of doing these sort of TV-esque cuts and story structures and things like that, and maybe if they had had fewer of the uh, FOV and camera bob and weird distortion effects for certain scenes, like, maybe that would have worked out a lot better, but it just made me sick. So, unfortunately, I couldn't finish Virginia. I had to look up the rest of the story online to see what happens um and it yeah it goes to to the x-files basically um there's there's some x-files stuff that happens so the story looks really interesting and like i said i like the concept i like the ideas i give it huge points for originality but oh man that trip that trip to the bathroom to throw
1: up was no good yeah, it's a shame that they didn't uh, make it more uh, technically uh, sound. Yeah, yeah. I I don't.
0: I mean, I got this on sale for like a buck. Sounds like you ever so, paid. Um, <laughs> Maybe I don't feel like I wasted my money. I in you know, like I said, I I like the experience. It was very thought provoking. I just wish that it didn't make me sick, so that I could actually. I think it's a good game under there. They just tried to. Do There's a, a reason why outside uh, the box. some
1: uh, game mechanics are uh, very sandstone. Yeah. So... Thankfully, you can
0: turn off motion blur. I can't imagine how vomit-inducing oh, this game would be with motion. They Originally, the game didn't have any options to change anything. Yeah. And so many people got so sick and complained. They're like, okay, we'll change what we can. And motion blur fixed it for a lot of people. Yeah, it's, it's no good. Still good in that. Respect.
1: Uh, So, I'm up? Yep. Okay, well, it's my turn for Walking Simulator. This is one that would be a pain in the ass to try to uh, find on Steam. Zero Degrees North, Zero Degrees West. This is essentially a Walking Simulator with no goals while on an LSD trip. Or, since it's a video game, uh... Graphical drivers uh, bugging out and going absolutely batshit insane. It's There's a, a little bit of a story in the very beginning where you're given a a video of uh, a guy packing up uh, to go on a trip and he's uh, driving across country and he comes to this little town, uh, I imagine the uh, American Southwest just based on some of the landmarks that he's passed in the video. And he comes up to this uh, theater that's zero degrees north, zero degrees west, which is actually, well, there's a Tom Scott video that's a very interesting thing about uh, this particular uh, coordinate. Is that whenever a GPS bugs out, it will uh, report a zero zero to the point where there's technically an island of all these GPS devices for split seconds. And I guess that's the kind of the idea behind the name of it, or at least I imagine so. Uh, it's interesting if you want something that, uh, you know, you take some sort of uh, recreational drug and just uh, play and see weird shit. Boy, this is your game. There, but since I was sober at the time, it was just i strain. i had a couple levels that well remember the 90s whenever well and no this isn't just when uh, people were against video games violence that sort of thing uh whenever you'd see a uh cable channel that was scrambled or you know locked out and the that sort of weird uh inverse uh, color effect and kind of blurry i had a world like that which was just very hard on the eyes and you could just look at the screenshots in Steam and just see uh, how crazy things get. And because of the extreme colors, it can be very hard to find the exit to the level to go to the. Ne- uh, it's not even levels; it's just walking areas. You just walk around. It's about exploration, which I could kind of respect, but at the same time, uh, it's just so nauseating to me. I mean, granted, it wasn't to the degree of Virginia for you, but it's it's definitely not for me. I it was at least uh, worth, uh, you know, giving her a shot, though. Yeah, and and also, there's this weird, weird thing with the walking. All right, it's it's like it's on a delay, where you let go of the uh, of the key, and you can, and you kind of drift. And it's not even, you know, trying to be realistic and, you know, have momentum to your walk. It's like you're on ice and you just kind of slide for a moment. It's just very weird. Thankfully, there's... Well, I can't say that there's no platforming in it because one of the first levels I hit, or one of the first areas I hit, I had to do some jumping around to be able to get out of this little confined room that was like this LSD graphics nightmare. Uh, But that... Uh, that movement is just so weird, and also, whenever there's steps, you know how whenever someone doesn't code stairs properly, and there's that very, very tough, uh, very, very rough jitter as you walk up? And it, yeah. It does that. Fun times? Yeah. It does look trippy. Yeah, it's a very trippy game, and if you want your trippy game, you know, go take your LSD, take your marriage of that sort of thing, then there you go. We should set Kyle up with this in a yeah you know, uh like a bottle of vodka or something, whiskey. Uh, and, Kyle, and, and, I, and, he probably drinks vodka, but whiskey's his favorite. Uh, a bottle of whiskey and uh, Twitch. Or no, we uh, no. I think we found our, uh, the bachelor party. This a bottle of whiskey and a video. <laughs> that would be interesting.
0: All right. Well, this is the last game on my list. Uh, Porno Studio Tycoon. This game is hot garbage. So, obviously, it's on Steam. I wasn't expecting it to be actual porn. I figured there would be, and, and there are, like, scantily clad women and some scantily clad men. Uh, and some sort of censored, uh, anagram, or not an- some sort of, like, censored analogy for sex and that stuff, it does pretty good, actually, um, which I'll get to in a minute. That's one of its positive points, that it applies to the making of porn. So, you know, I, I wasn't expecting that going in, obviously. Um, I don't even think there's a de patch available. Uh, so what the game tries to be instead is, well, a tycoon game, where you start basically making homemade porn movies with actors that you get either you know, paid very cheaply by the shoot or can sometimes find for free and work your way up to a major porn studio that sells, you know, a a kajillion porn videos around the world. Wait, they sell porn? And it does that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, they do.
1: Uh, And it does that very poorly. Well, it's a tycoon game. Uh, Tycoon these days uh, has really fallen off. Used to be tycoon was at least some sort of really interesting business management. Nowadays, it's essentially mobile esque uh, business management, very very shallow.
0: Yeah, it's got some RPG mechanics to it. Uh, your character that you create uh, has stats, and you get some starting stat points to to put into things. Like, I mean, basically at the beginning, you're a one man everything doing all of your own editing and shooting and starring uh scene composition and things like that so um your skills where you put them really matter in the early game but later once you have money you can hire people that have better skills so you don't really need to do any of that anymore as like your character but as you do things you gain um you don't really gain experience with points that you can place. You just gain skills, uh, like a skill level, at various things. So, you know, the more you direct certain types of porn movies, the, the better, or, or porn films, or whatever, the more a certain director or shooting skill goes up, which means that you can make better movies of that type in the future. And that's really basic and really boring. Um, the tycoon world like port and sales is basically the map that you see on the screenshot and you shoot a film and you release it and then you just can see on the map where it's selling and how well it's selling and there's like hearts that indicate how much certain regions like the type of film that you're shooting are 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 releasing Mm -hmm. um and then you make money based on how well it's selling in various regions of the map and that's it for the management tycoon side um there are certain trends and you can get bonuses from following a certain trend but what from what i played of it it really doesn't matter you just try and get a movie that has the highest score possible and the higher the score is the better that it sells Where the the only part of the game that is mildly interesting and fairly well put together Is when you're actually creating your scenes. So there's different locations that you can rent or purchase to shoot porn in. um, And they range from like hotel rooms to like beach houses. Uh, There's certain sets. And I'm, I'm making air quotes that you can use for free. Like an alley with a dumpster in it. Or a laundromat that's run down. Or under an overpass. So... You know, you can use those for free, but they're very, very low quality. Uh, occasionally, you can uh, fulfill, like, contracts to shoot scenes at those specific places and essentially get some free bonus money no matter how well your your movie does. But otherwise, there's no point in using them. You get so many negative points from being in really shitty locations that uh, it doesn't net you any positive bonus as opposed to just renting, like, an apartment for a weekend. Uh... But so you you choose these locations, then you hire your actors, um, and the actors have different stats themselves that they prefer certain types of uh, film, like bondage or more romantic type porn. Then there's just like vanilla, which I assume is just like, in air quotes, porn. Um, the stats aren't very well explained, honestly. It's uh,
1: fucking. What do you need? Yeah,
0: pretty much. Um, so then you hire these actors and then you go to your apartment and, or or whatever the place is that you've rented and you set up the scene and you can place the actors in various places around the scene. And there's certain spots. Like if you rent, for example, an apartment building, uh, there'll be the bathroom, the kitchen, the living room and the bedroom and you can place actors in, in multiple places and. Uh, that sets up, like, scene transitions, where that they'll have sex in one place and then move to the next place. And for each scene, then you have a number of sex moves that you can... And, and yes, they're just called sex moves in the game, that you can direct... Now, do they have points do, of difficulty?
1: They... Do they have to land, uh, stick the landing?
0: They do, actually. <laughs> they do. Um, so the sex moves uh, are just traditional sex positions. Well, I mean, I say traditional, there's some more kinky stuff in there. There's some stuff that would require like a greater flexibility for people to pull off. Um, but it's just like missionary doggy style, uh, threesome, like one girl jerking off two dudes, things like that. Um, and you place the actors in the scene, you set up the sex moves, And then you choose which actor or actress to perform which part of the move. And it doesn't penalize you for doing things that would be impossible. Like you can do doggy style with the girl behind the guy, but no dildo or strap on involved. So that would basically just be like grinding or nothing at all. But the game doesn't take that into account, so you can basically just put whoever has the better stats for which part of the position in that position, and then have them do that. Later on, you can get props, uh, which are everything from costumes to toys and things like that, but in the beginning, when you don't have any money, you can't buy anything, so you don't have any of that stuff. Uh, but this part of the game is actually pretty fun. One, it's silly, because you can do stuff that doesn't make any sense, Um And whenever you're filming the scene, uh, there's, like, random sex noises, and then you'll get, like, speech bubbles of the people talking, and some of that dialogue is pretty funny. Especially when you have really unskilled actors, because they're just like, oh, sorry, I didn't mean to put that there. "Uh Uh-huh, sure you didn't. I'll try better next time, I'm just getting so tired. And it's, it's just funny. And then you'll have, like, little pictures of the sex moves, like, bounce around on the screen. And, like, some cutesy, a combination of, like, cutesy and sexy music plays. But that gets old really fast. After you've done, like, two or three well, scenes... So
1: you need to bring in something to spice things up.
0: Well, there is that. You you do that. Um, you can bring in things to spice up the scene. Uh, like, you can order pizza and then have the pizza delivery person show up and participate. Or you can just eat the pizza, which gives your actors a, a rested bonus. Because they... They, you know, they tire out as as you would. And so there's only so many scenes you can shoot before you have to do the finisher scene, which it uses, like, a milkshake, like, dripping or, like, shooting out for, uh, like, different ways for your scene to finish. And it depends on, like, whether the female character was the lead or the male or whatever. And I'm sure you can figure out what the different types of milkshakes... But, yeah, there's different things you can do to spice it up. You can... Uh, between scenes, you can move things around, choose different sex moves. Uh, if you have props and toys, you can use those. Uh, like I said, you can call pizza man. You can do a photo shoot for like advertising uh, purposes. Uh, and then basically that's it. Once your actors are too tired or you've completed all the scenes you set out to complete, you wrap up your porno and you go back to the editing studio And if your video didn't receive very many points, you can basically chop it up and use it for advertising for your studio, which gives you a temporary boost uh, to your sales. Or you can edit the film like really simple editing. It's just like a slider bar, like spend X amount of time editing uh, this and it's like lighting, scene composition and transitions, I think are the three bars. But basically... The more time you spend editing, like, the more sort of bonus points you can eke out of your movie. And then you make, like, a really, really shitty cover and give it, like, a stupid porn name. And then you release it for sale. And that process is novel, like, one or two times. And then it's like, oh, this is all there is to the game. And this is no longer funny. This dialogue is just annoying. And everything takes way too long to complete. So it, it there's just no real depth to it. There's a, a few things that unlock later, like you can uh, put together a website, which I don't know why you can't do that earlier, because this game is not set, like, in the 70s or anything, um, but you can't put together a website or uh, distribute your videos online to other platforms and make, like, constant ad revenue until later, but I looked that stuff up and it's basically, like, a toggle on your video. It's like, do you want to sell this and put it up for free on some site where you can collect ad revenue? Like, that's it. So there's no real depth or strategy to it.
1: So it's a tycoon game, or modern one.
0: Yeah. And the worst thing about it is that in the name Porn Studio Tycoon, the tycoon part has three boobs. Like, why? Tycoon only has two O's in it. That would make sense for a pair of breasts, but they put three.
1: They're fans of Total Recall.
0: I guess, but it's not funny. Oh, don't I'd worry, none of the other uh,
1: parts of the game sound very funny either.
0: No. If I hadn't got this game for a review uh, off of Keymailer, I would be very disappointed and would have gotten a refund as, as fast as possible. It's definitely not worth... <laughs> I just now noticed this. Ha <laughs> ha. It's definitely not worth $19.69. Yeah. It's worth about 69 cents to mess around with for a little while and then never touch it again because it's bad. And uh, those are those are my games for the week. So you can wrap up with your
1: two. Uh, Oh, so. Well, I was talking about visual novels before we uh, got started and I actually have one this week. Woohoo! Destiny Failless A New Life and no, that's not something uh, fans of Bungie have been thinking for the last couple of years. This is a uh, visual novel where you are playing a high school girl, you know, like you do, and it kind of just right. drops you into things. It it's it feels, well, it doesn't feel like. It is a, well, not really a continuation, but sort of a sad story of this web manga that the reader of the visual novel was writing, and then went on hiatus to start a kickstarter for this, and then went on to do another side novel based on a couple characters out of this. So uh, building up a visual novel library, I guess. But you're this geeky uh, girl in high school who is not taking life all that seriously, failing her classes. Uh, She has a couple of core friends, but really that's about it. And it's... A romance slash slice of life. Uh, yes, there is a romantic path uh, with uh, several endings to head towards with uh, different guys, but also it meanders a lot and it pads a lot. And considering the game, well, my initial playthrough was four hours and some change. That padding is just, uh, it, it's unforgivable. It's something that really shouldn't be there. I I think they could have really cut this game down to a more targeted three hours and it would have been a lot better. That's not to say that I think the game is terrible. It does some interesting things. uh, Particularly where it's a more slice of life. So it has some subplots. Like your best friend is dating this absolute asshole. And you have this heart to heart with her to talk about her boyfriend as valentine's day starts coming up and he's being just a jerk to her uh so there are interesting moments but then after that you don't really interact with your uh, close friend anymore <laughs> uh, no matter the outcome of that so it's just there's a lot of moments here there's a lot of interesting uh subplots but they don't really do anything with it you know Right, uh, Art style, it's interesting. <clears throat> it's uh, ripped directly from the web manga, and it has a very flat look to all the characters. It's something that I really disliked at first, but after playing it for a couple of hours and getting through most of the story uh, for one of the seven endings, six, seven endings, it started to grow on me, but there was a couple characters who had very light hair Uh, James and his uh, twin sister Uh, they're both blondes and uh, actually the only blondes everyone else has mostly anime colored hair but because the blondes are so pale and all the characters are very pale for the most part uh, they just kind of uh, look like this mash of colors instead of a person and that's uh, mostly just uh, being very nitpicky overall it's not that bad and something else that's a little weird about this game is that they didn't really want to commit to either a full visual novel or a more RPG stat-based. Think of uh, th- something like Long Live the Queen. So they went a sort of a in-between. You're, you're building up your stats, but they say even in the fucking tutorial that in this game the stats don't matter that much. It's more of an indicator of how you're doing overall of the story. And they're planning on doing more with the system in the second game. But the fact that they say that in the tutorial tells me that they shouldn't have built that system in the first place. It feels like they uh, built it, were planning a lot grander story, or a lot grander scope. But couldn't do it because the Kickstarter only funded a certain amount. right. And the overall story, even though it does meander a lot, it has this mystery behind it that I'm not sure if going through all the characters' stories and uh, getting the additional parts would allow me to solve the mystery or if it's a sequel hook. There's this missing girl and it has a very Life is Strange-esque feel to it where it focuses so much on this missing person in the very beginning. And then it comes up again and again. Uh, I would say a good two or three times. And then there's this hook where you see someone, uh, uh, uh kind of in the shadows following you at one point, and then, uh, uh coming home from the dance, that you uh, see him again. I'm not sure if that's, you know, uh, the missing person, if that's a part of a, another story or what, but it's just it feels out of place and it feels like they were ba- building up for a grander scale and they just can not do it. So yeah, uh, overall though, even though I've ragged on this, it's not bad. It's just not great. You know, it's that kind of meandering in the middle. Uh, overall, I would say probably a seven ish hour uh, uh, story for all the characters. That's uh, skipping the repeated dialogue. Uh, since there's not a tutorial, though, it could take a little bit longer, yeah, because they have a lot of choices. A matter of fact, the uh, you start getting off the central branch of the uh, of the flowchart very quickly, which uh, is nice. I like that. Yeah, things uh, start to change very quickly, but they talk about how there's over 200 choice menus. It makes you wonder just how much of that is padding, especially considering there's a lot of repeated uh, dialogue. Well, not really repeated dialogue, but repeated scenes. Because you're a a high school girl who's pretty much failed her. I think it was biology. Yeah, it was biology. She she failed biology, so she's having to make up her homework. So there's a lot of times that, you know, after the the day's ended, you go home and you're given a choice of what to do. That doesn't really have to be there. You know? Yeah. And there's a lot of scenes where uh, you go to school, you, uh, uh, and it goes through the transition, you uh, sit down in your classroom, the teacher uh, 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 talks over a few uh, sentences, Uh a lot of the teachers are very uh, pointless. Like, there's this absolute shrew of the uh, geometry teacher, and at least in the storyline that I did, there was no reason to ever interact with her or even see her. All of the times that she showed up was uh, yeah, pointless outside of the one time that I had a choice in that class to prove that I was paying attention in class. Which may have uh, helped her overall GPA, which uh, allowed me to get permission uh, from my mom to go to the dance. Yay! <laughs> You went to the dance. Uh it's I'm ragging on this game. It's definitely not the worst I've a uh, visual novel I've ever played. Uh from uh, about long shot, actually. Uh but it's not an amazing visual novel. Oh, and uh this is gonna turn you off uh, right away. I'm probably sure I live with this actually. Uh no titillation whatsoever. No anime boobies. Well that's okay. That doesn't turn me off. Yeah, but it does it turn you on.
0: No. <laughs> But anime boobies can turn me on to a really bad game. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I would say this uh, isn't bad, though. Uh, and, well, it's not even on Steam. They, uh, I actually saw this uh, come up in my press account uh, uh, whenever they released the Android version. Uh, and uh, I decided to... to I, it looked interesting. I looked at it and saw there was a Windows version. Uh, tried it out, and that was uh, decent enough. And I'd say it is. Yeah, I mean, it's a $10 game, so, yeah, it's not, it's in the uh, decent price range. Right. Cool. It, it is a little angsty, though. But, yeah, teenagers. Yeah, oh, I can uh, handle angst. Yeah, Oh, one other thing I didn't like about the art style is that the teachers are drawn exactly like the students to the point where For a while, one of the teachers I thought was just a student because the uniforms uh, because, well, this uh, is a Japanese-style high school in the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, like you do. And all the students, their uniforms aren't, well, uniform. I'm not just talking about, you know, flair or something where, you know, they uh, wear some sort of headband or something. All the students' uniforms are based off the department their club is in. So all the students have to have some sort of, excru- uh, of uh, club that they uh, go through. And the department that they're in dictates the color of uniform they wear, which makes absolutely no fucking sense. At least in my opinion. But because of the non-uniform uniforms, one of the teachers that wears a suit jacket, I thought was just you know, another student because he's drawn... Yeah, like a, at best, 20-something, but more a teenager. And he's also one of those with more of an extreme personality. Yo, so I was expecting him to be a teenager, you know? Yeah. And there are some uh, very extreme personalities, but the majority of the cast is teenagers. So, yeah, that makes sense. But yeah, that's about it. Uh, Any questions, since I do know that you... No, I don't think so.
0: This looks alright. Uh, part of my wish list. If it goes really cheap. Oh wait, no. This, this wasn't on Steam, yeah, this, was it? This
1: isn't on Steam. This is on itch.io. Okay. Well, you could always put it on your wish list there, I think.
0: Yeah. If it ever drops in price, I, I think, based on how you've described it right now, it sounds like a, a five-ish dollar well, game for me. Well, I think the
1: Android version is actually a lot cheaper. Okay. I'm not sure of the if there's any differences in the or not because, yeah, I, I run a PC based channel so, but let's see. Yeah. Uh The Android version is seven dollars. Okay. And it looks that's a little bit. Yeah, it looks like it has pretty much a uh, uh, a little bit of UI ch- uh, changes, but that's about it. Or no, no, never mind. That, that it's, they're destroying the other theme. That that's something else that the collection mentioned. They whenever you start up the game the first time, you have a couple choices to make. Uh, to change uh, between a, a black and white uh, theme on your UI or pink. Obviously. Yeah, pink. I took pink. Um, I mean, uh, my, uh, the main character has pink hair, and it's also a little weird that you're able to see her the entire time. Uh, but also, they have uh, a choice of font, a the generic font that they have there, and also one that is... Built around uh di- uh domestic people, uh, be able to uh, read it a little bit easier. So, uh, it uh, it's very uh interesting. Uh, I've never seen that before in a visual. That's pretty nifty. So, moving along to my last game because I'm doubling up here. Uh, yep. City Skyline. So I, after playing Warframe for quite a bit, I needed a, a new you know just mess around with game. And it's been a while since I played City Skylines. And uh, I think I finally cracked it. it, uh, It's, uh, well, it comes back to what I was talking about with Spin Tires two and a half hours ago. Uh, a, A change of approach, because I always approach City Skylines as a city building game. And it's not, it's a traffic management game. And once I sat down and really focused more on my traffic and also uh, treating it as sort of a procedural puzzle game of, ah, shit, I fucked up this intersection now. I need to go fix that. I started to enjoy it a lot more. And I also uh, focused a bit more on making my city a little bit prettier, sitting down and uh, building parks, uh, uh, putting down extra props, that sort of thing. Uh, to uh, hide the game doing ugly things with the geometry of the level, you know, uh, uh, Hiding the kind of the sterile uh, vis- video game world, you know. Yeah. So putting uh, like <coughs> uh, abandoned uh, cars under the under uh, over under the overpasses, that sort of thing, you know, for your porn actors to fuck on.
0: <laughs> Thanks. Appreciate it.
1: Yeah, just uh, be sure to get your tetanus shot beforehand. Uh, I started to uh, yeah really enjoy myself a lot more. Uh, it's but oh boy, they never did fix the traffic in this game. Which, considering the game that they built before, City Skylines, is about traffic management, cities in motion. It's just, it's a head scratcher to me. There, it requires at least a few mods to really uh, be able to have the tools to even approach this game uh, having uh, the traffic manager uh, uh, mod is essential you have to have that um, it's uh, the traffic uh, I'm happy to go to the workshop now to make sure I give the right one traffic management uh, persistent edition or prison edition or whatever where you're given the tools to change all the uh, all the intersections to Be able to put in custom turning lanes. There was this one intersection in my city. It was the very first one that comes in. And because of the way the highway was. I didn't have a lot of room for a uh, run up to this one intersection. So I was always getting traffic backing up. And it was made even worse by the traffic AI not be able to handle a left turn properly and just running into each other and bunching up in the middle of the intersection and clogging up traffic. So this mod allowed me to go in and set up proper turning lanes, allowed me to set up proper turn signals, you know, uh, that uh, turn uh, left uh, lane, have giving it an offset uh, green light, that sort of thing. And the fact that that requires third-party support It's just, after all this time, that they should have done something base game with that. Even if it's not as in-depth as some of the mods, uh, it just needs something. Or the fact that there's no parking buildings. There's a very limited selection. Granted, I'm not running most of the DLC because this is a Paradox game, so... Um, Some of the things I may be complaining about may be fixed in some of the DLC, but no uh, traffic buildings or no uh, 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 parking garages. There's limited amounts of uh, uh, mass transit. I know that uh, there is a mass transit uh, DLC and there's also trams that are locked in a different DLC, but having limited options there to try to solve the traffic problem whenever the AI just does stupid things or the fact, uh, probably the worst thing about the AI is the fact that it'll choose a lane and stick with it. So you'll have an intersection where the center lane has all the traffic. The left and right lane has no traffic, even though it they all allow through traffic, you know? And yep. that is fixed in the traffic manager mod, but once again requiring mods. Uh but I've built up a town that is at fourteen thousand uh, people right now. Which doesn't would sound like a lot, but one of the mods I've run uh is a rush hour mod and another one uh, rebalances the populations to more a to a more realistic population so it's actually a fairly decent sized uh uh city but the rush hour makes it so that it's a more realistic traffic flow so i have proper rush hours uh yeah when uh work starts and stops for most businesses And I have to build around those, which I found a lot more interesting than just constant, you know, pretty consistent traffic. But once again, the fact that I'm having to use mods for pretty basic functions actually brings us to our general topic because I'm uh, kind of repeating myself.
0: Indeed. So, I think I can make it through this before I need to take a break. Unless you need a break. No,
1: I think I'm good.
0: Alright, our general topic for today. Oh, excuse me. Uh, The reliance of game devs on modding communities to provide support, bug fixes, or all of that sweet additional content. I mean, we
1: both had uh, games in our gaming slog where they have to have mods to fix particular things. And for... Uh, I've always called it the the Bethesda problem because they've relied on the mod community so much that the Switch version has mods that's been fixed by the community for years, and they just wouldn't even bother to patch them. They know how to fix them based on the community fixes. It just doesn't bother. The Switch version doesn't even have mods. So, you know, that's the absolute worst version of Skyrim.
0: Yeah. Um well in, I mean you and I both have praised mods and modders a lot throughout uh this show and and before because we I mean I I think it's a good idea for game devs to allow mods to uh, a thing for games particularly PC games just because of the long tail that it can provide to those games. I mean games. I'll just
1: look at Skyrim.
0: Yeah, that's one of the main reasons, if not the biggest reason, that Skyrim has persisted for so long. It has a huge modding community. I mean, most Bethesda games do. Um, Skyrim, Oblivion, there's still mods being made for Morrowind. And that game is coming up on 20 years old, right? Yeah. Um. So mods can do a lot to lengthen the lifespan of a game, add a lot of interesting content that studios might not have time for because, you know, some of these projects can take months or years of development time, even for, for teams of modders, like the people who are doing Skywind, or no. Yeah, that's 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 what it's called, right? Skywind. Well, uh, but, uh, well there's also more importing, importing,
1: Oblivion, which is uh, yeah. porting Morrowind to Oblivion. Now, that I don't think it ever saw the full release. I think it's still being worked on. I don't think on.
0: it did either. Uh, there's also um... Sky Oblivion, which are people uh, putting Oblivion into the Skyrim or into Skyrim's engine. So, you know, things like that are great and provide tons of additional content for people to enjoy. Uh, Modding is a great hobby for a lot of people. You know, a lot of people do this work for free. You know, they put up donation pages or whatever, but they have no expectation of earning a living off of these things. It's very rare that someone from the modding community gets a full-time job with a dev studio. I mean, it happens. You know, we've heard stories in the past, how it but in general, you know, modders do their thing and game devs do their thing. So we're not necessarily saying that games being moddable and patchable by the community is a bad thing, but it does seem like games and studios sort of rely on that to have the community be the one who bug fixes the game. Um, for people, particularly with a game like we, you know, Dark Souls, anything that Bethesda makes, those games are really buggy. Like the first thing I always do, even if I want to have like a vanilla experience, just to play the game the way it was made before I mod it all to hell, is download the unofficial community patches that fix shitloads of bugs in those games. So, and yeah, like you said, particularly with Bethesda, they do not release official patches to fix the bugs that the modding community fixes. And all that stuff is published, and particularly with Bethesda, now that they have their mod, like, built-in mod infrastructure yeah, mod into store. games, um, you know, they have very easy direct access to that stuff because they have to be uploaded and approved by Bethesda to go through that mod store. So...
1: He- Uh, Can you imagine the shit uh, storm that they would encounter if they try to sell the uh, Community Bug Fix uh, patch? That would be a fun thing to watch. Uh, I mean, uh, they have to do something because uh, there's the Community Bug Fix patch for uh, Skyrim and Oblivion. Well, uh, uh, Oblivion's probably not fair at this point, but Skyrim is just thousands of bugs, isn't it? Yeah, the unofficial
0: Skyrim patch is like seven hundred and something megabytes, and the uh, read me or the patch notes or whatever is several pages long with lists of bugs that it fixes. Yeah, it's just... many of them game breaking or um, you know physics breaking bugs. That,
1: well, I guess it just comes down to greed because uh, they don't have to fix them because the community's already done it. And it's just sad that we've come to this point where it's just a combination of greed and laziness that, you know, eh, let the modders fix it. Yeah. But then there's uh, kind of the flip side of things with uh, games like RimWorld that is still in active development, but a lot of the mods, uh, or a lot of the more popular mods has actually been incorporated into the game as features. And and, uh, the developer uses uh some of the mods as what people want as game features and shop around different ways to do them that's a i'm not sure how i feel about using uh the modding community as essentially a crowdsourcing of game features i mean it's brilliant but at the same time it's uh, feels a little off at times as well especially seeing okay well this uh mod is very popular uh we'll incorporate it and not really credit the original mod author i mean uh Rimworld's hardly the first one to uh, do this it's just the one that i played where you think about uh games that do that that bring in features that are popular from other mods i i like it when games
0: do that i, I just um, wish they
1: they credit them you oof. know
0: yeah, uh, it was, or it is uh Kerbal Space Program that brought in several
1: uh modders from well, the community. Well, that's different from and, what I was saying, whether they brought in the modders themselves, not just the mods.
0: Right, well, it didn't initially, though, they they brought in the mods and then they brought on the people? I think it was
1: both at the same time. Oh, okay. If memory serves correctly, because they hired quite a few modders, and that's also kind of the uh, other flip side of this, is that Uh, Using the modding community as a source of talent. Um, isn't there a mod
0: group is on Patreon that makes mods for City Skylines specifically?
1: I'm not sure. I haven't dove too much into the City Skylines modding scene. Uh, Pretty much, it's been uh, picking up the popular ones and the suggested ones off the Steam Workshop i mean uh, the the most popular ones are the ones that are pretty much required to be able to play you know the the uh the traffic manager particularly, but some of the AI tweaks to uh, uh different game mechanics to be able to have them make a little bit more sense, so you know they're not zig uh, you know, a hearse picking up bodies isn't zigzagging back and cro- uh, back and forth across the city <laughs> Why not? You want uh, people. To, you want corpses to pile up because that's how por- corpses will pile up. Sounds fun
0: to me. I'm gonna look for this modding group. I know that they exist. Well, it might not be for City Skylines. Though. Well, I do
1: know that there was a a uh, 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 an article going around not too long ago about one of the more uh, lucrative modders out there. It was a guy that made drug mods and sex mods for uh, The Sims 4, and he just makes bank on Patreon. And that's, you know, that's something else that we haven't really talked about is not just, you know, putting in game features, putting in uh, patches and uh, fixing uh, bugs, but putting in uh, just aspects of the game that, the developers would never be able to even consider because of the backlash. You know, putting in drugs and sex into The Sims, I mean, just... uh, EA would just get crucified. Assuming that they didn't, you know, pay the protesters themselves. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But it adds more realism, even though, yeah, uh, it's not something I would usually run. Well, most of the time. But, you know, drugs are a part of reality, so having them as the uh, in The Sims makes sense. And having uh, uh, Sims be able to get hooked or, you know, have wild sex parties, you know, those are things that happen. Or at least uh, so I'm told by the, you know, the uh, right in column on uh, Playboy. You know, you would never happen- <laughs> believe what happened to me. <laughs> You know, I was taking the peyote, and then the, there was this bull. And a portal to hell. <laughs> oh. I mean, it does open up uh, areas of games that you would never be able to uh, uh, take on otherwise. There is that aspect of modding that is very appreciated, and I, I think... Are appreciated uh, and probably not appreciated by the general public. It's uh, kind of a uh, this odd thing, isn't it?
0: Specifically, what are you well? well, I, was,
1: uh, well I was thinking more of the more uh, adult oriented mods. Uh, uh for uh, well, The Sims was the one that kind of jumped to uh, the forefront just because of that uh, article about Patreon, but even nude mods uh, where the the quality of the models are usually better than the base game, and that's why I usually run them. Not for any titillation, just they look better, you know? Yeah. Oh, someone forgot.
0: That's the normal alarm that reminds me to go wake up Katie in case I have fallen asleep or gotten
1: distracted by something. Well, you don't have to go poke the bear tonight, or at least not yet. Yeah. Good thing, because, boy, we've grown long. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, it's,
1: it's, I think it really depends on the individual developers and not an overarching thing because, you know, Bethesda refusing to fix their fucking game is inexcusable. I don't understand why people give Bethesda a pass because we, I I saw pretty much the same arguments for Kingdom Come Deliverance as I saw when Skyrim came out, but people were crucifying Kingdom Come. For it being a bit buggy. When people are talking about. That's part of the charm of Skyrim. You know having the dragons fly backwards. It's all part of the charm. No it's not. There's this. uh, Pass that certain developers get. And the fact that Bethesda. Is allowed to. Really abuse their own community. Is just baffling to me. Yeah. Uh, Maybe I'm being a little bit overdramatic with using the word abuse, but they definitely don't uh, treat their mining community as well as they should. Especially since they really are the driving force behind the millions of sales on uh, Skyrim.
0: Yeah, I never play Skyrim Vanilla. I never play any Elder Scrolls game Vanilla. Aside from the first time I play through a brand new one. Just because I want to experience the the story unmodded aside from, like I said, if there are existing community patches and things, but.
1: Well, what do you think of modders going in and fixing games that are broken? I mean, fundamentally broken. Well, Dark Souls is a good example, but another one uh, that is currently trying to be fixed is actually Chrono Trigger. Uh, The, which uh, is part of the reason why I drew your attention to it is that uh, there's a group of modders that are trying to, for one Fix the graphics in that uh, piece, and I don't mean Chrono Trigger in general. I'm just mean the current PC port, but also are, are yeah. wanting to try to fix the essentially ported over mobile controls to you know be something actually worthwhile. Uh, what do you think about modders spending their time to try to fix these games, and in the end, kind of rewarding developers for being utterly lazy?
0: I mean, on the one hand. It's what they want to do. And I'm not going to try and tell people how to spend their time, especially if it's something that's not, like, hurting people or doing, you know, generally bad things. So, you know, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, sure, if that's what you want to do, go for it. But on the other hand, I'm like, well, I mean, you're not going to get paid for this. At At least with that attitude. At best, the dev is going to go, oh, thanks, you fixed our game. And at worst, they're going to slap you down yeah, DM, uh dmca
1: which,
0: yeah so i don't see why but i'm also not a modder that's not something that that level of of programming and uh, and really coding and things and is not really
1: because it takes a long time to be able to build some of these mods and especially for the mods that are fundamental fixes for games that are otherwise broken uh that, yeah uh, matter of fact uh the person that put uh that built the uh, Dark Souls 1 mod, wasn't he eventually paid by the developer because he uh, uh his mod allowed them to really sell that game on PC? I think so. I think he was. Um, well, that's uh, an edge case, you know? That's the ex- uh, exemption to the rule. Yeah. You know, what what people do
0: in their free time, as long as it's not hurting other people and they enjoy it, good for them. Um, I just see, uh, I just you know, see some of but, these uh,
1: developers as being a little bit of exploitative uh, to their communities, uh, relying on their uh, on their money communities so much.
0: Yeah, there's, uh, I think that it, it's pretty rare that that happens. Actually, I mean, Chrono Trigger is a a classic, beloved game that finally got a PC release, and it turns out it's the shitty mobile release. I could see and understand why people who really love that game and want to be able to play it on PC without emulating it or something like that would want to mod it and fix it
1: yeah but yeah but um, at the same time uh, to buy the game after it's uh, it i shouldn't say after if it, it is fixed feels like they're just really rewarding uh square uh squaresoft for or sorry square enix squaresoft's long gone uh square Enix for being utterly lazy. It's, uh, you're running into a very odd situation where, hey, you're going to support the the modder and thank the modder, but at the same time, you're really supporting a crappy practice at the same time. Yeah.
0: I mean, it's, it's not perfect. Uh, I'm definitely with you on that one. I, it might I mean, be, I don't think it's necessarily just straight up rewarding devs to put out shitty games they're gonna do that anyways and there's a lot of devs or a lot of games that get released that never receive mods never get fixed never get patched because nobody cares uh does it encourage laziness from certain devs if they know that they're gonna have a hit like chrono trigger possibly probably but overall i don't think it's encouraging all games to be released quote unquote broken just because not enough new or not enough games are gonna have the support or the you know the backing or however you want to look at it to garner that kind of attention from these modders some will absolutely yeah, i mean it's there pretty much it's pretty much always, I mean, that pretty
1: much always uh, given that a Bethesda game if it has mod support is gonna have some sort of modding community around, yeah, but Bethesda games have really turned more and more into just a sandbox and an r p g so um, yeah. Maybe it's more just playing the sandbox than it is uh, fixing in the game. I do like playing in that Bethesda sandbox. Playing the, uh, in the Paradox one. And granted, still need mods to fix things. Uh, and a lot of DLC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, I don't think we really reached a, uh, yeah, a definitive uh, uh, answer. Mostly because there isn't one. It's more of a case-by-case basis.
0: Yeah, I, I agree with that. I concur, my dear sir. So, does that wrap us up then on so. this
1: particular... Just a Okey-dokey. very quick uh, general topic that kind of easily tied into things. And it's uh, Light News Week.
0: We are going to go ahead and move on to our community corner. We spent quite a long time talking about games this week, so we're going to cut a couple of things. My throat is actually getting scratchy. You might have heard me croak a little bit when I was chiming in. Oh, Well,
1: you don't sound if good. I,
0: if I if I keep talking, it seems to be okay, but whenever I stop and let it rest, then I have to, like, clear it or drink some water or something. And then something, somebody you know.
1: explodes. Yeah.
0: And also, there's more weird noises I'm going to have to edit out this. I've been very good about hitting the cough, uh, or muting my mic for the cough. But, yeah, there's quite a few I'm going to have to edit. So, anyways, oh, Look at really it this out way. You, hour... you
1: have enough for a super cut in the uh, Franken episode.
0: Yay, of all the coughs. That would be terrible. There was... Uh, immediately, we're sidetracking, despite the fact that we just said, yeah, we'll cut a couple things to make this easy. Uh, did you see the trending YouTube video, which is like three minutes of just some guy coughing? No. It's stupid and ridiculous. And that's why it's And turned. I can't... It makes me so upset that like that shit, which is zero effort, ha, is on the trending page for YouTube and content that us and other youtubers make which is interesting and requires time and talent is just pushed off to the side i'm not upset or anything i'm very upset no you
1: don't sound bitter at all i i I tend to stay off the trending uh, page on youtube because it just pisses me off too much
0: yeah i check it every so often anyways uh we in our community corner we did receive a email from a new person a new contributor uh, fossil who goes by fossil but in their email uh, because you know we can see the email address and things uh, it's it's docile fossil which I like better than just fossil like that that's part of part of it is docile fossil yeah. I guess technically it would be docile fossil but it's more fun to say docile fossil so docile fossil writes in this week to say. Uh, I enjoyed the talk about Xenonauts. If I may make a request, I would like Rage to do a special about Dwarf Fortress. It is one of my favorite games, and I like hearing about it. I've unfortunately fallen off the wagon for the past year or so. I wonder if he can talk about it for a little while.
1: Uh, I can. I probably should uh, do its own thing. Uh, It's been uh, quite a while since I've done Dwarf Fortress, though. Uh, It's been actually several years now that I think about it. And they're due to release a new version before too long. I've uh, been keeping up at least on the major uh, uh, dev blogs. Uh, we've had Dwarf Fortress on the game club uh, list for a while, but we took it off because, uh, uh well, what we're what we've called the factoria problem, where one of us has played out a lot. But it makes me wonder if we should put it back on, since I haven't played it in such a long time, and there's so many new f- uh, features. Yeah, I would try.
0: I I would try Dwarf Fortress. And, you know, I'm not opposed I mean, it, it really, uh, to well, tackling. Well, it
1: requires a lot of tutorial time, and it also requires, I would say, well, they used to call it the uh, Lazy Dude Pack, where it includes a few tools, but well, you'll love this. It includes uh, this tool called Dwarf Therapist. <laughs> and what nice. it is, it's a memory editor to allow you to quickly turn on and off uh, different jobs for all your dwarves and set up job priorities a lot easier Uh, because otherwise uh, Dwarf Fortress is a UI nightmare but it is also one uh, I shouldn't say one of the deepest it is the deepest town management games out there there's a part of the reason why I like RimWorld so much is that it's the most successful of capturing the essence of Dwarf Fortress, which is this procedural uh, storytelling uh, in a more accessible package. Uh, and Dwarf Fortress is RimWorld turned up to 11. Oh, well, in a fantasy setting, of course.
0: Maybe we should plan to do Dwarf Fortress a uh- couple or several months in advance like we just sit down and at some point and have another business meeting mm. and say okay we should do Dwarf Fortress as the game club for and I'm just like saying this off the top of my head for like September and then that gives us multiple months to spend some time especially me learning the game and, and putting the required amount of time Well we it. have
1: Cause I think several it would... months this year where it's a five week month like uh, well, uh, October actually comes in in a five-week month. It starts on, uh, on a Monday and ends on a Wednesday, and we'd have uh, five uh, weeks there. But I don't even want to consider Dwarf Fortress until the new version's out, which for Dwarf Fortress could take a while. Okay. Uh, and and the well, thing I mean, is, whenever they release an update, it is a major update. Uh, the last one, if memory serves correctly. They added the ability to send uh, your uh, your squads your of your army off to uh, uh, raid various uh, settlements around you. Or that's in the next update. I can't remember which. Uh, they've added the ability to build taverns and have visitors. That wasn't uh, in the uh, game before, and I think you can actually get them to permanently settle if your place is nice enough. Fancy. They have a minecart and a full minecart system, and people. Well, the term is a dwarfy things. Uh, they go absolutely insane. There's people that weaponize everything. And there's this the, probably the one I remember the uh, most vividly is towards the end of when I really stopped playing last time was someone. Set down and figured out how to whip weaponize uh, mine carts and make a shotgun.
0: Because <laughs> what would happen
1: is uh, the, here's how uh, crazy the game is, is that the game doesn't uh, uh, build or calculate weapon damage based on stats. It calculates on weight. So a silver mace or a lead mace deals a lot more damage because it is heavier than, let's say, a wooden mace. It's not the stats of, yo, this weapon does so much damage. It's this weapon and yeah, puts in this much force. Well, people figured out that if you fill up a minecart of swords and, and spears and that sort of thing and then launch it and cause it to derail, it would call... It would cause all the weapons in it to start flying down this hallway into this reign of death. <laughs> oh, I love Dwarf Fortress.
0: <laughs> yeah, we'll put it on the list at some point. I'm I'm willing to put in the time to learn it. Yeah. We just need to plan it a little yeah, I'll bit more so than there's more yeah, than Yeah, i will just have
1: to relearn it and learn the new systems. The the biggest thing about Dwarf Fortress is learning the the army system because that is obtuse. It's a little bit better with dwarf therapists. Which would you be a dwarf fer ver- a therapist therapist,
0: <laughs> a DTT, a dwarf therapist therapist, uh, but or a TDT,
1: a therapist dwarf therapist. Uh, but there's a uh uh there are ways to do it in a dwarf therapist, but it's still very obtuse and it's very annoying. Uh, but it's not. As bad, because, like I said, it's a UI nightmare. That's uh, probably the biggest uh, part of the learning curve. Yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll put it on the list and we'll plan ahead so that there's some a little bit of extra time uh, to tackle yeah, it. And, 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 and we'll it. have to do it when it's not allergy season. That would be best.
1: I wish there were no allergy seasons. Well, if you live, uh, if you move to the Arctic, you'll at least uh, be free of them for a couple of years that's true
0: before all of the ice melts uh anyways moving on he continues i do agree with mr trump about the violence in video games i assume what you mean by that is that when he and i'm paraphrasing basically calls out it's weird how that sex in in media is treated so differently from violence when basic when violence is probably worse than sex uh i think we said something like that last yeah. week it's honestly hard to remember uh all of this stuff kind of smooshes together sometimes but yeah i'm pretty sure we yeah, said does something tar- like that last week yeah
1: the last hundred and well now two episodes are kind of a blur after a while yeah uh carrying on he's right
0: in a similar way about the loot box controversy we did some googling and. In- at least at the time of recording, since he hasn't had that meeting with... The, yeah, there's
1: going to be a meeting uh, Thursday with the ESA, so we'll probably be covering that next week. But we couldn't find yeah. anything. So I don't know if you're
0: uh, sort of trying to compare that to something else, and I'm just missing it, but or there's some obscure article somewhere, but yeah, I haven't seen anything about Donald Trump saying anything about loot boxes. Uh, While publishers purposefully aim for those who are at a high risk for gambling addiction, modern publishers who push out violent video games are accidentally giving these games the ability to be accessed by people who have a hard time distinguishing between reality and fantasy. Thus, they become influenced by these games and will eventually do something dangerous, wrongly believing they are in the game, excuse me, or some thought, thought process thereof. In my work, I've seen kids who I know are very impressionable enact things they see in games that they definitely should not be playing, such as violent wrestling moves, choking other kids, or pretending to bomb stuff. They obviously learn to distinguish the proper behavior they should exhibit, but there are people out there who have learning, social, or developmental disabilities. As proper health service quality declines over time, these people slip through the cracks more and more often. So a quick pause. I'm interested what work you do uh you didn't say this later on in in your email but you say you work with kids and there's you know obviously tons of positions that work with kids you could be a teacher you could be uh a, a therapist like me or one of the other kinds of therapists i'm just curious just more i guess morbid curiosity what it is that you do um if you don't want me to say that's fine um but you can send us an email or send me a dm for to satisfy my own curiosity uh the point uh, the point where you're saying the ability to be accessed by people who have a hard time distinguishing between reality and fantasy I uh, question why you're bringing that specific point um, just because lots of things be a trigger again this might be something that you have have read that I'm not familiar with um, but yeah what I said about kids last week I think maybe either you misunderstood me or you're echoing my point Particularly younger kids are the most influenced by things from video games and TV. And you say this later, but really it comes down to parents actually being willing to parent and take uh, proper precautions to make sure their kids get access to things that they're most suitable for handling. Uh, Ratings are there to generally help, but, you know, kids mature at different rates. Um... Let's see, I personally think that the government should co-opt the ESRB in a way where they are separate but are overseen by government lawmakers. We have many committees in the U.S. that are specifically of this kind. It's not censorship but quality control in many cases. We have a constitution that expressly forbids censorship, which works great for freedom of expression, but that doesn't mean all expression is suitable for all ages, especially sex and violence to young kids. If anything, it comes down to a lack of personal supervision when it comes to kids playing these violent or pornographic games. There should be more descriptive explanations for game ratings rather than vague statements. Suggested mature themes doesn't really say much. If I say vividly detailed scenes of child and spousal abuse, uh, and in, or in quotes, or parentheses, blood, gore, violence, death, uh, that would give a better indication of what... Don't the ratings on the back of box games get a little bit more specific? They don't go
1: that specific, yeah, they're, but... Uh, they're a bit more specific than that, but they're, they're not hugely detailed maybe they could be a little bit more it's kind of a weird thing to go back to last week when we were bashing on them for you know uh just putting a a very generic uh, you know includes uh, uh purchases but you know maybe they could be a little bit more specific instead of being so vague but at the same time there's only so much room that they have so it's uh they need to figure out a possibly what tags or what labels can be uh more useful uh useful because I don't think they've changed the overall ratings at all since they originally created them, have they? They've made one change. There used to be
0: a it was a children's category or a like it was a something through ten category. Uh, and there were those two, and they sort of merged those into the E for everyone category. But otherwise, no, as far as I know, there haven't been any changes to the rating system. Um, and the way that they do specifics is it'll be like M, 18 plus, 4, uh, violence, uh, sexual content, adult themes. Like, that's what it says. So slightly more specific than the contains, uh, what was it? Contains yeah, I'm.
1: Uh, I'm bringing up the just on. I'm trying to bring up their stuff. It's okay. Here's the content descriptors. This is all of them. All right. Uh, alcohol right. reference, animated blood, blood, blood and gore, cartoon violence, comic mischief. Uh, there is a little bit more descriptor, but we don't need that for all of these. By the way, uh, crude humor drug reference, fancy violence, intense violence, language, lyrics, which mild references to pro, uh, profanity, I just wanted to give that one, uh, mature humor, nudity, partial nudity, real gambling, <coughs> sorry, uh, sexual content, sexual themes, sexual violence, simulated gambling, strong language, strong lyrics, strong sexual content, suggestive themes, Tobacco reference, use of alcohol, use of drugs, use of tobacco, violence, and violent references. And that's it. Okay.
0: I'm looking at, I just picked the back of the Mass Effect box to look at, and it's mature, 17+, plus, blood, drug re- reference, sexual content, strong language, violence. I feel like that paints a, a decent enough snapshot of things that could be considered offensive within the game. They could definitely be more specific and that could certainly be helpful for title, you know, certain specific titles. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe there's a way to do that. But the way that the ESRB's approach is, I think, is to be very overall... You know, they have to encompass the entire industry. And like you said, there's only so much room on the back of a box. With more games becoming much more... um, or with games becoming much more digitally focused, anyways, there could be well, an easy way for them to expand that. Well, how that. about
1: this? How about every game that they, uh, gets a more detailed page, and there's a QR code on the box. Oh, that would be nifty. I mean, pretty much everybody has a
0: smartphone at this point, at least in most of the developed world where these games are sold. You just scan the QR code, or you could scan it on on your monitor if you're looking at it online Mm. and get a full description. That's a good idea. Then you can have maybe the taglines and then to find out more, scan the QR code. And then it takes you to a page that has a much more detailed description of all of the different things in the game and why it received the rating that it did. Or
1: even just have a dedicated app if you don't want to do a QR code or have their own... uh database, but you know QR codes and uh, websites are usually pretty open. Yeah. That's a really good idea. See, I come up with them occasionally. Um,
0: <laughs> I've also never thought of uh, forming some sort of committee, or how is it that you put it specifically in here? Uh, docile Fossil. Uh, I'm looking for it on here. Uh. Where, okay, where you say, I personally think the government should co-opt the SRB? Uh, blah 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 committee form a committee with them i've never thought of having the e s r b work together with a government agency um partly because well the e s
1: r b was formed to stay uh, to keep out of the government <laughs> they yeah it's,
0: they're they were formed to be self uh, direct tortures.
1: opposition to
0: one another and i'm not sure that I trust the two of them working together. I don't know. I've become much more cynical in the last couple of years.
1: <laughs> so well, I don't I, know. I blame myself.
0: I don't really think there's like a really good one solution to any of this. Every solution has problems. Um, you know, without any sort of government oversight at all, you have the ESRB basically doing nothing to deal with the loot box problem. Well, part of the problem. With full government well, oversight, you run the risk of getting a, an Australia, New Zealand, Germany
1: situation. Um, Which, uh, well, we should highlight that, where they literally ban any game that doesn't get rated uh, properly, and uh, they have the same problem with their top rating that we have with ours. And no, I'm not talking mature, I'm talking the adults only, where if a game gets adults only in the US, it's pretty much a black mark. We'll cover this last week, where, it, yeah, the console manufacturers don't even allow it. Well, with the government oversight... It could be a complete ban on adults-only games.
0: Yeah. I mean, I suppose that the middle ground, as is often the case with many things, has a good chance or ha- has the chance to have positives from both. But there's also a chance that it could have negatives from both. It's it's weird. It's just one of those things that has a lot of gray area. something's going to happen. We just don't know what it'll be, and we just all hope that it's more positive than negative.
1: Yeah, part of the problem. But, I with mean, the, that could be the solution. Well, part of the problem with the ESRB is that it's made up of the uh, game publishers to begin with, so they don't really have the have it in their best interest to regulate the uh, industry in a way that's negative towards themselves. So, yeah, you know, that's also part of the problems that we haven't really addressed. Yep. And the, and the only way to do that is to have a third party. And the the problem with video games is that it's a it's a very popular medium, but it also requires very specialized knowledge to be able to handle. Otherwise, you get CNN uh, talking about how video games are uh, virtual boot boot camps. Again, yeah, again, and, and talking about how realistic VR is when it's not. Yeah. Yeah. You know, someone that understands the very basics and knows that VR is used as a training tool in certain circumstances and equates it to actual, real experience. So. Yeah, we're probably another decade or two
0: from that sort of knowledge just being part of the cultural vernacular. But by that point, something is going to have happened one way or another with this whole there's just no way that it sits dormant for a decade or two for the rest of the the population to sort of shift and the the younger generation who has just that knowledge as as part of everyday life comes into control of everything that i mean that might be the best idea yet to have some sort of committee but you know like you said there's lots of committees that have happened with this before and some of them have worked and some of them haven't. So you never know. I suppose it doesn't hurt to try, but I don't see that happening. I think that the ESRB and the ESA are going to kick and scream until either they're forced to do something to handle the situation or the government, you know, gets its thumb out of its ass
1: and says, okay, you've had enough time. Our turn now. Oh, I did skip over. They there are a few other tags, that uh, they do have the in-game pur- purchases uh, on here. I, sorry, I skipped the interactive elements, user interact, uh, shares location, and unrestricted internet. Uh, so I'm willing to, you know, be sure to cover everything on my esrb tags before I close that.
0: <laughs> right. Okay. So moving on to the the second part of the email, uh, he says these are just a couple of my opinions, though. Or she, I suppose Dossil Fossil could be... I'm being sexist. Uh, the next part is a minor diatribe on, di- diatribe on politics. Uh, what's wrong with play- paying taxes on violent video games to fund child therapy? I don't use food stamps or WIC, but I still gladly play into it. Sometimes we have to sacrifice a little to gain a lot. What is 2 to $6 of disposable income when it comes to psychiatric help? Um, I definitely agree that with... Uh, paying taxes on things to have a a better welfare system to support things like uh, psychiatric help in schools and things like that. Um, And maybe this could be a bit of of personal bias or personal defensiveness on my uh, part, but I don't see a specific tax specifically on violent video games as being the right way to go about it. Like I said last week, I think that a tax, um, an additional tax on the industry as a whole would be more beneficial than just a specific tax on violent video games. Um, but I mean, we also do tax specific other things at higher rates. Uh, alcohol, tobacco have
1: various different taxes on them. Um, well, uh, then you also have a problem with, well, let's call it the Powerball problem where, Uh, powerball and well lotteries are taxed to fund education but then that goes to other places right
0: there's also the the next part i was going to get to is there have been attempts to tax things like soda in Uh, california or new york new york at one time banned sodas over a certain size i think so yeah i think so um and things like that always or have at least to my knowledge uh cause massive backlash from people um and the industry whereas opposed to just having taxes on a thing as a whole like a certain sub, like food and video games are not exactly you know apples to apples comparisons but you know sorry hey, to speak for yourself a tax on on <laughs> on sodas you know charge a tax on sort of all junk food there's always going to be a certain amount of pushback from people who don't want taxes on things. But when you're a little more general, I think it's a little easier for people to cope with and understand. And that's where I was coming from on the next thing uh, about the China thing as well. I'd be careful in praising them for their ecological work. They're still the greatest ocean polluter in the world, large air pollution producer. Uh, They burn nearly two fifths of the world's coal, even more by some estimates. And he, uh, there's a couple of links to go look at with some infographics, uh, and the greatest waste producer when it comes to industry. I wouldn't be so willing to quickly grasp Chinese propaganda.
1: I think it was more so, we just mentioned something.
0: Yeah, so and that res- what I said was that they were, yeah, I can remember the specific dates, but they were way ahead on hitting their target goals for uh, solar power. Um, I wasn't necessarily just praising them as a whole. Uh, But they do seem to be taking the reins in this respect at this time. Uh, I've seen a lot of news coverage discussing how this might be known as the Chinese century, with how they're coming into their own as a... Not necessarily coming into their own as a world power, but how they are sort of hitting a, a higher standard of living, a much more sort of what you would consider like classic first world status. They still have a ton of problems as a country and there are many who say that their economy is basically unsustainable uh, due to how much subsidizing they put into pretty much all of their industries. And to not, to very briefly skim this topic, uh, one of the reasons that uh, Trump and others are, are in that camp saying that they want to punish China for pumping so much steel and aluminum into the market is because China heavily subsidizes that industry to create jobs for their local economy. But as a result of that, they're making so much that they can't use it. So they're having to dump it into the market and it's destabilizing prices. So, you know, things like that are, are definitely not exactly the right way to go about doing stuff. Uh, pumping up that growth artificially as opposed to letting it happen naturally. There will be consequences for that. So I wasn't trying to say that like China was the greatest or anything like that, I just was remarking on the fact that they were hitting their uh, their solar energy targets ahead of schedule. Uh, anyways, the final part. Uh, also, we can look at how internet culture is affecting youth and thus moral fabric. The newest generation have shown the greatest social withdrawals, as well as the greatest growth in things like depression and suicide. These kids are more is- isolated and more drawn into g- degenerate subcultures, which promote dangerous practices of self-harm or messes with their perception of reality. So, to some extent, maybe. Um, There are a lot of factors that make it really difficult to determine at this time. We're not far enough out from the millennial generation to be able to look back and have done enough research to determine what the causes of these things are. Uh, The growing awareness and acceptance of uh, psychotherapy in the United States and around the world uh, has really inflated the numbers of the amount of cases of depression and anxiety and mental health issues that we've had uh, in the last couple of decades. I'm going to pause for a second. I need. To... So that's where part of that is coming in. Uh, millennials have also been handed the worst economy in the last half century or so. Um, and, while there are some improvements overall it's projected to get a lot worse due to the fact that um, computers, automation, robotics and things like that are hitting such sophisticated levels and so there is a quite a strong belief that that also has something to do with how much the millennials and the younger or yeah the younger Gen Xers suffer from depression and suicide and things like that. Our culture or our society as a whole is really shifting from the urban rural area or sorry, from the rural area to a more urbanized area, which leaves a lot of communities, uh, high and dry with again, economic issues. Uh, and that also is a big proponent in depression. And then suicides comes from, from things like that. The internet absolutely plays a part in that. Um, I did some studies while I was in undergrad and working on my master's degree that dealt with this sort of thing and how the internet is affecting um, culture. It was really hard to draw some conclusive data. What I was able to find when I did that research, and this has been anywhere from two to six years ago, depending on exactly when it was I did it. uh, But the data that I was able to pull together showed that... uh, millennials in particular actually were socializing more uh they were socializing less with those around them choosing to find communities online that uh had their same set of belief values which carries its own set of positives and negatives i'm not just saying that that's a good thing i mean if you get an echo changer of like r slash the donald (laughs) then you get a community of of hatred filled people and that's not good but it has a it Based on the research that I did, it seemed to have a more net positive as opposed to... Probably in another 10 to 15 years, we'll really be able to pick through all the data collected uh, for the generation and maybe some of... What is the next one? Gen Y. And put some of that together and find out what the real causes of all of this is. But we're still too close to it to really determine how much of what thing is causing how much of what issue.
1: Uh, I do have one question. Do you think uh the internet has also amplified uh, some of the uh fringe where it's more apparent that these are happening?
0: I would say so. Um so it's not so much that know, uh, to, if the
1: problem's worse, the problem is just louder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Used to you would have you know all these people existed with all of these problems and issues before the internet was a thing, but it was much harder to communicate with anybody, but the internet brings the entire world together in a glorious mess, essentially one big mess. Um, There's been a lot of cultural projections and studies done on how the internet is both creating its own new culture, but also tearing down a lot of old cultural identities and where, you know, classic culture, tradition is is disappearing in places and what sort of things might be gone in the next century or so just because culture is becoming so homogenized. Um, you know, some people believe that's a good thing. Some people believe, believe that's a bad thing. Personally, I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, I'm a, I'm a globalist. I'm for a one-world government, basically. You know, I, I want the sci-fi universe where instead of there being... You know, Dozens of hundreds of governments on the planet. You just have the Earth government. Oh, so you want uh, Star Trek? Pretty much, yeah. I want Star Trek. You just want the HoloTech? I mean, that's a good start. I'd, I'd take that. I just I hope I'm not the one that has to clean up after. And, th- I mean, there are problems that come from that, too. I'm not trying to glorify this one world or, you know, however you want to refer to it. There are issues with having a homogenized culture, but I think the benefits far outweigh the the risks and, and the detriments that come from him. So, yeah. He ends his email, or she... Does it say? I don't think so. I don't, I don't think... Okay. Dossel Fossil ends their email. Anyways, that's enough for the politics. Thank you for reading, and have a good day. So, yes. Interesting, thought-provoking email. We were... We read through it a couple of times before yeah. we decided how we were going to talk through this. Because politics can sometimes be tricky, and when it's just you and I up here talking about whatever we want with no input, it's easy. But we wanted to make sure we handled this, in and i in a an adult. Which manner. is why
1: you've done so, the speaky, uh, talky bits.
0: Yeah, we hope you've done your email, Justice Fossil, and I hope that I didn't scare you off by getting all uh, educational or You got that whatever. good book, Lennon. I do I paid good money to get that good book learned, and so I'm glad I'm able to apply it on on an internet podcast with a a niche audience but i I've pretty much i think just blown my voice out. I don't know if you can hear how scratchy I am, but i think I think I might be done
1: uh maybe we so, should have uh, done the news topic just to give me time to talk so you could arrest it a little bit more <laughs> a little yeah. late for that though yeah,
0: oh well. Want to move on to the part of the podcast where I go first? Are you sure you want to go first? (laughs) Yeah, I might as well just get it over with. I'm going to take a drink of water first. Alright. If you want to find me on the interwebs, uh, on YouTube specifically, you can search for Gaming Psychologist. And for the things coming up on my channel, uh, I've started playing a little bit of Elite, trying to figure out the new stuff. And there's some big changes, there's some little changes, and there's a lot of issues that... Uh, Frontier developers or developer studios, whatever their studio name is, are, are desperately working around the clock to fix with their hair on fire. So probably an extra week or two before any of that content starts coming out because they're rapidly changing stuff in the game to try and fix what they broke. Uh, as for the whole thing about Black Panther, I promise I have not forgotten I'm going to do that. Uh, I didn't get to record it to stick it on the end of last week's podcast because I had to get ready for my sister-in-law to come. And then I was gonna do it over the weekend, and I spent the entire weekend in a combination of an allergy and drug haze. Like so, you do. Fingers crossed, fingers crossed, I get to do that, record that tomorrow or maybe Thursday, and get that published by Friday or Saturday. That's that's the plan. Uh, also, there's more Kerbalcast episode archives coming up. Uh, Got to do the next batch of those and put them up, but yep, those are still coming. And uh, that's it for the pod or for my YouTube channel right now. Uh, unless we're gonna, we haven't talked about this whenever we put Divinity up.
1: Uh, I'm gonna give when, it a couple of weeks, uh, make sure that we actually
0: get another recording. <laughs> okay. Well, all that stuff's sitting on my YouTube channel ready for me to just turn it live, so that'll that'll be there eventually. Uh, if you want to follow me on Twitter, where you can see me tweet about all kinds of things, uh, this week it's been Politics and Allergies. Politics is pretty, pretty heavy on my Twitter account for the last 18 months, uh, and it isn't going anywhere anytime soon. I don't think, although I did have a, an interesting tweet today about an awesome Catholic priest that I met. <laughs> you can, you can check that out over on my Twitter at JMA four seven zero seven. If you want to watch me stream games on Twitch, you can do so over at twitch.tv slash J Arthur four seven zero seven. I don't remember what the next game is on the list, tabletop but Simulator Twitch schedule is, is up. Oh, it is. Oh, good. Yeah. So, but, uh, but the thing is this that week.
1: by the time this releases, it would be in the past.
0: Well, whatever. It's fine. The list is, is on my... Is that my pinned tweet? If it's not, I'll make it my pinned tweet so that you can just go to my Twitter account and find the list. Yeah, I really should add that back to the show. Also, if you want to be my friend on Steam, you can do so by sending a friend request to jarthur four seven zero seven on Steam. I accept all friend requests from lovely people. Uh, I got everyone's questions posted on our sheet. On uh, sheet? Or on our notes page our Our show notes page so that we have them uh we just had a really really full week this week and we had a letter so we didn't do a question but I have your questions they will be coming soon-ish
1: and if you wish to let me know exactly what episode of the podcast you're coming from the password for this week is Chupacabra I feel like you've used that one before I didn't find it on my list okay uh, if it maybe you've just said it before um uh, Let's put it this way. If it's... Uh, uh, if uh, I've used it before, I uh, didn't copy it down properly. Because I have a list of all my words. Including the uh, episode that we didn't get to do a password because uh, your power went out. Right. Forgot about that. Anyway, Chupacabra. So, my YouTube channel. It's a uh, light week once again just because I sat down and that's Didn't feel like playing Civ. Uh, Maybe uh, playing Civ was a bad idea. Maybe it's just uh, uh, just have my uh, SEO not set up right. I'm just not attracting any uh, attention. Granted, uh, my YouTube channel is kind of light on traffic anyway since I got demonetized. Fucking YouTube. Uh, I just saw a major dip on my overall views, so I'm not sure if it's just that or or it's just I suck at uh Siv, which okay, I suck at save, but still. That, that that doesn't hold people back from watching videos anyway, right? Absolutely. Uh but uh, I do have Rimworld uh still going on. Uh Nether Wallop is actually doing fairly well. We just came out of a toxic fallout and I was talking about uh dwarf fortress lights and well I have probably six hundred hours in Rimworld. <laughs> Probably more than that, actually. I'd have to sit down and look at the master list to try to even calculate that. But yeah, Red World's still ongoing. It, uh, interesting things are always going down. The next episode is really funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's. Oh, well, let's. Put, I'm going to tease the uh, title of it. One problem solves another. All right. Oh. Yeah. Uh, But RimWorld's uh, still ongoing. We'll uh, hopefully uh, keep that going for quite a while because I really enjoy RimWorld. Uh, Divinity, I want to give it a couple more weeks, see if we can build up some uh, episodes so we can have a little bit of a backlog for when you die of your allergies again. I mean, can you blame me there? No, it'll definitely happen.
0: Ragweed pollen hasn't even started yet, and that's the worst one for me.
1: Maybe we should just put you in a bubble. I would love that. Katie wouldn't. <laughs> well, yeah, she'd get but over To it. be fair, yeah, you know, the uh, technology for teletectonics has really come along over the years. <laughs> uh, actually, there was a GIF on a uh, uh, Reddit today of uh, showing uh, just how far it's come. Along. I'm sure you've seen it. If not, I don't think uh, I guess you're gonna have to go hunt it down. At first, I didn't realize what it was. It's like, what the hell? Oh, that's a tildo. <laughs> uh but yeah well we're way off course
0: <laughs> what else is new
1: uh well not uh the sunday sampler because well actually the sunday sampler won't be due because it's a game i i've never played but that's kind of the point uh and well you already know my plans for it and i'm looking forward to it i haven't done my play testing for it yet Oh, it's it, let's uh, this way next week's gonna be an interesting games we played <laughs> looking forward to it i, I had to tease you I, 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 whenever I got that uh code I was so happy but you'll have to tune in next week or just check out my youtube uh channel game with caffeine rates to see exactly what the Sunday sampler holds or just see me tweet uh on uh game o c r on the twitter. I was uh, bitching and moaning about the YouTube scheduler misfiring again and uh RimWorld not uh, releasing on, uh, on time, which uh, the YouTube scheduler just sucks.
0: Yeah, I have issues with it fairly often Let's just as well. put it this
1: way. I realized that my video didn't release and I thought, okay, I just didn't hit uh, save uh, uh, preferences. I loaded it up and it said, uh, there was an error uh, saving uh, your date. The, the date's right there oh, for fuck's sake fucking youtube uh, if there was a good competitor out there i would switch but uh there isn't but let's finish our ending spiel so you could go rest your voice and or just go die <laughs> yeah i gotta go wake katie up too so yeah well if uh you were to contact us uh i said it in the beginning of the episode so i'll say it again vglpodcast at gmail.com with your letters voicemails your latest topics or questions or just tweet us, VGL Podcast. If you to, if you wish to help... Uh, now see, now I'm tongue-tied at the end. <laughs> if you wish to help pay for this absolute madness, you can help our Patreon. Patreon.com slash VGL Podcast. And our glorious, glorious patrons have helped pay for our website. VGL Podcast.podbean.com Which hosts the show notes and RSS feed. Or you just catch us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or our personal YouTube channels, which we've already plugged. Our intro down music is on the ground by Kevin McCloyd and combined his work at incomputech.com.
0: And as always, as his lovely music starts to roll across my voice, you
1: didn't say your uh, lovely voice.
0: Nah, I rarely say that, just sometimes. Yeah, well, maybe froggy voice. (laughs) My croaky voice. My scratchy voice. Regardless. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.